Let's gab some ghouls. Let's gab, Let's gab some ghouls. Some ghouls. <laughs> um, on the docket for today's Gabbing the Ghouls, first up, Scream 6, a movie that multiples of us have seen. Yeah, um, but most not, even. But not me. Most even, but not Jeff. Um, no, but, Jeff. Get, fuck Jeff. I still haven't yeah. seen Scream 3. That's on me. <laughs> That's not important to watch Scream 6. Yeah, I haven't seen... Scream 4 is important. I haven't seen any Scream movies past the second, so... Okay, <laughs> I've well, only seen the first on one. And I Wait, wasn't you, lost at all. You didn't watch Scream 5? Oh, I watched, yeah, yeah Nina also see, see, but Nina had me going, that's, that's Kirby from Scream 4. Oh, my God. <laughs> I could have picked that up without you, I think, because they basically look at the camera have, and say. You wouldn't have known which Scream it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Out of the three that I, three? Yes. Three. That yeah. I haven't seen. I think I could have figured it out when they showed so many things that would have clued me in. <laughs> and I mean, the they, full broken down timeline. Uh-huh. Yeah, they talk I like pretty Scream directly. 6. Scream 6 was great. Um, I think it has the most brutal kills of the series, I would say. Um, I would think. And is just a real, real fun, solid time. Um, Some of them aren't even kills and they're still just brutal, which mm-hmm. is enjoyable. Is like they aren't, there's just a lot of like, tor- there's a lot of torture actually, mm-hmm. but it was kind of fun to watch. It's really intense. I saw, mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone actually, not just me, has seen that article that went around calling Scream a love letter or Scream 6 a love letter to the Scream franchise, which got like windmill dunked on by everyone saying, you can't be a love letter to the franchise you're in. You're just the next installment of the franchise. And I think I understand where the energy of that comment was coming from. Uh, having seen Scream 6 with there, I mean, the whole thing is literally just pointing back at the other Scream movies going. Remember when that, but also like, I do believe it was just a wording issue because it's, it is a Scream movie that took the next step of, Hey, we know what we are. We kind of know what's happening here. Let's have some fun with it anyway. And I really did appreciate that. And it was it was just fun on air on the meta story perspective Mm -hmm. and on a character level. Like, I think one thing that I really like about these two most recent um, installments first when I'm not holding them up against the other screen movies, I'm holding them up against the other requels, which I think is another thing that they beg to be held up against. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that the main advantage that these movies have that maybe the whole scream franchise has always had is that their characters are really good and even though they're like joke parody characters you care about them and the movie knows that you care about them and i've complained about this before the scream movies don't punish you for caring about the characters they don't look Mm -hmm. you in the eye and call you stupid dumb baby as they stab your favorite character (laughs) in the face Uh, and well, this now movie I'm not talking about the Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> am I talking about Texas Chainsaw? I am. Yes. <laughs> I, God, what a what a and Halloween and for Halloween that as well yeah. and mm. Halloween Texas as well. Chainsaw. I will say probably was a lot more tongue in cheek than some people could read it as. It's like, oh, what if we brought in our legacy but, character? Nope. No, no. But see, that's <laughs> the thing is you can be tongue in cheek and mm-hmm. you can kill off legacy characters. And you can still be heartfelt. Scream yeah. does all of those things. It's tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. It's not afraid to kill off legacy characters. But it it knows which characters are the heart of the series and, like, you really, really care about. And while it's not afraid to kill those characters off, it, it knows what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The For Scream 5 and 6, the 
new characters are exceptionally well done. Um, yes, particularly I like, love them. The core four in Scream Six is just so great. And they're so much them. fun, and I love them a lot. Um, Very it's enjoyable been a, group, especially for like a slasher movie. I I don't know of a time where I like actually liked the characters this much, um, mm-hmm. except maybe Bodies, it's like Bodies, Nightmare Bodies, which Street is 3 like never happened. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's a great time. Um, highly you know, recommend. Uh, what it reminds me of before we rate and move on. Um, it reminds me of the Until Dawn and um, we've only gotten partially through Quarry, but it reminds me of those games because we it, it feels similar, the dynamic of like making sure that we care about the characters and that the character archetypes are kind of turned on their head so that you can care about even the characters whose like archetype you might not get into like the jock or the queen bitch or whatever. They're like, oh, but no, you will still care about this character. And I appreciate that. Yeah. For sure. Um, do we want to rate Scream 6? Is that the plan? I'd, I would rate Scream 6. Okay. Um, I would rate Scream 6 a 9 out of 10, honestly. Wow. I right. really loved it. What would you give I Scream 5? I loved it a lot, too. Scream 5, I would give like a 8.5. Okay. Mm-hmm, I'm going to look up what my old rating of Scream 5 was so that I stay consistent <laughs> to myself. 10 out yeah, of 10, I, Noah. <laughs> I think Scream, I think they're both a solid 8 for me. I really enjoy both of them and I couldn't pick a favorite. Okay. Mm-hmm. Scream 5, I rated an 8. Uh, Scream 6, I rated a 7. I think it's fun. I think it's less original than Scream 5, okay. uh, which yeah. doesn't hurt it for me. It's sure. just I liked Scream 6 better. I think Scream I like better. Ghostface and Scream 5 better, but I liked the rest of the characters in this one better. All right. Interesting. Yeah, cool. cool. Um, so next up for Gavin the Ghouls, I'm going on a solo run, rushing you through Ooh. some other movies. I do want to just give a special shout out. Sequels have been killing it lately uh, in the movie industry. Scream 6, incredible. Um, Creed 3, I saw it in theaters. If you haven't seen the other two Creed movies, they're both fantastic as well. Um, in our only entry from Twitter brand in this episode, he loved Creed 3. Oh. It's great. It's a great movie. Uh, Jonathan Majors did an incredible job. Um, and it's just he so much fun. He's been doing an incredible job. Good He's killing him. it. Hey guys, this is Jeff doing the edit right now. Um, we recorded this literally like the day before all of the news about Jonathan Majors broke. Uh, this is just a problem with doing a podcast sometimes, you know? Even just a, a a week between recording and release can be enough time for your contents to really age poorly, huh? Uh, anyways, back to the episode. Creed is kind of a post-Rocky series where Rocky Balboa kind of trains um, Apollo Creed's son, who grew up kind of in the system and then was adopted out of the system by... Creed's wife, um, who like the new Creed is, um, who his name's Adonis, but he was kind of Apollo Creed's son through kind of cheating. Um, and so his like actual wife found out about him and then adopted him because Apollo Creed had died. Uh. And then as he grows up, he gets involved in boxing and starts doing really, really well. Creed three is about, kind of this friendship he had with this guy um, from when he was younger um, who has been in prison kind of the entire life and comes back and wants to get involved in boxing. And it's kind of this tension between them um, 
and it's just really, 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 really good. Um, it's so much fun. The acting performances are incredible. It's got a lot of heart, and it's great. I would give it um, an 8.5 out of 10. Cool. Um, nice. Next up, another sequel, John Wick Chapter 4. Uh, I just saw it last night. There, For one, it's a great John Wick movie, I think. Nice. All right. For me, it's either number one or number two. Wow. Okay. Um, for the whole series. Um, it's just so, so, That's so good. Bar. It is a high bar. But literally, there are just times in the movie where my jaw was just dropped at some of the like cinematography and action scenes being so freaking cool. Um, and then they have in particular, like two side characters that are just executed like perfectly in this movie. And there's kind of tension between all three of them um, where you have John wick and then you have an old friend of John wicks who has been retired Um and is kind of brought back into the game to kill John Wick or else his daughter dies. And then there's another character who's kind of like a bounty hunter who's protect protecting John Wick from everybody trying to kill him until the bounty gets up high enough. Um, and just the interplay between like the three that. of them is so good and it's so much fun. Um Highly, highly recommend. I would give that one probably um, an 8.5 or a 9 as well. Nice. And then you have to watch nice. that series eventually. It's so good. I recommend. They're just great for just kind of shutting off your brain for a bit and yeah, watching fun. like really good action movie. Um, and then the Dungeons and Dragons movie. I got to see an advanced screening of this. I mean, by the time this episode comes out, uh, the D&D movie will be out in theaters. But um, it's a good movie, but it's a great D&D story. Um, okay. It's for a movie, I would give it like an eight. Um, but if you play Dungeons and Dragons and you kind of understand like how games work and everything, you're going to have so much fun with this movie. Um, it's filled with a lot of heart and a lot of just kind of inherent Dungeons and Dragons like vibe references that you'll pick on really pick up on really easily. Um, performances are great. Um, it's very like silly um, and doesn't take itself too seriously. And it's just a really, really good time. Cool. Guess right. I'm going to go see it then because uh, I got to I'll take the most of the crew that I run Strahd for, I suppose. Nice. There you go. Not I saying think... I'm pointedly not inviting anyone because I'm not. I just don't know it's who's going to be available. I'm yeah, not Noah's not invited. <laughs> Noah will not be coming. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone I think else, though. You'll all have a fun time. And those are my ghouls I gapped. Nice. <laughs> good advice. Those are some good ghouls. Um, guys what movie are we watching this week anyway <laughs> <laughs> no we're not watching a movie we're, we're a horror we're novel a podcast did you legitimately forget i can't believe it i watched <laughs> every movie this week in preparation which one was your favorite? every single one honestly my favorite was your favorite dear listener Wow! <laughs> not wow. yours though jeff oh get your oh evil gosh. dead trap out of That's my face god damn it i really liked evil dead trap though <laughs> <laughs> I've heard Evil Dead Trap 2 was better I'm looking forward to it 
What do you mean you heard that it was I, better? <laughs> I thought no, you watched I'm not, every I'm movie. not kidding. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Fuck, you got me. I, I only watched half of them. Oh, is that is why you really didn't, our intro? Is that I'm why so you didn't confused. finish Psycho Gorman either? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's a classic Deets bit where they don't actually have a joke. Okay, no, okay, so fun. Real quick before we hit the, it was so funny to me last night, sitting, minding my business, getting a random message from Jeff in the Discord just saying, oh, I, I watched Evil Dead Trap. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That stupid movie is invading my life a second time. <laughs> <laughs> Never seen it. Know nothing about it other than it's called Evil Dead Trap and one and two. Yeah. And they have nothing to do with Evil Dead. Yeah, nothing to do with Evil Dead whatsoever. That's so funny. <laughs> there are, that. there is at least one trap though. It's like a like a saw trap kind of thing. I can get oh, down with yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's kind of neat. Honestly, I felt like the movie was doing some proto saw stuff in a fairly giallo kind of way with some, uh, you know, some obviously non giallo kind of visual flair. But it's pretty neat. I liked it. I wish we had like a, a sound cue for every time Jeff talked, like just mentioned Giallo. It's we the sound of a really Jeff shiny Giallo knife. Jingle? <laughs> yeah, the shiny knife sound effect. Rune's just going <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, anyways, back to important We, we read Summer Suns. We read yeah, Summer Suns by Lee Mandelo. We did. Yeah. Um, going forward, just as a heads up for everyone listening, Lee Mandela goes by he, they pronouns, and I personally am going to use them interchangeably, um, but I don't, you guys can do whatever. Um, I've just gotten used to using them interchangeably in my long conversations with Noah about this book. Okay. Got it. Yep. Good to know. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to say much like last year, uh, we're not exactly going to be doing this in the same style that we're doing our movies. Because uh, it do be a book. It is it's a book. much harder to summarize a book in that way. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. not to say that we're not going to like summarize the story. It's just that we're not going to go like and hit like scenes in the All same way. We're not going to yeah, dissect it the beat. same way. Yeah. You I... know, I can't look at camera angles and say, you see, during the fade to black sex scene, the camera was telling us. Yeah, there's no <laughs> lighting for me to focus on at all. I don't know what I'm going to talk about in this episode. Or music. That's actually in fucking correct. How many times they mentioned the glowing red taillights, Jeff? racing toward danger you know what? one might that's say that's true that's actually <laughs> true at the end of the book yellow lights cutting through the fog you know <laughs> all right you, you know, know what you know. know what you're getting me actually okay all right let's but but let's... i let for real though let's talk about the actual book yeah. instead okay. of the things that are so, in the book but not the point um summer suns is a book that i had heard a bit about before we oh. oh go ahead sorry emma we haven't even introduced ourselves we haven't oh, introduced shit. that's ourselves so now. true that's a good point. we don't have a movie and we throw the whole shit out the window oh. we just lose everything. which is just a classic noah move which okay. i would know because i'm a i'm a classic noah guy all right wow <laughs> wow <laughs> i'm noah I'm oh <laughs> no you're not you're nina <laughs> yeah i'm also i'm nina <laughs> noah Thanks who defeated. else is here well apparently defeated is in the corner and Emma, you are Emma. Hi, I'm Emma. Wow. And I've heard a rumor that we also have a Jeff in, in attendance today. Uh, Jeff? You can tell because Jeff. of the way that the lighting shifted when I entered the room. <laughs> and, and the knife sound effect. Yeah, the knife sound Jeff's effect. Jeff's out here with uh, everything like nose up is in borderline pitch black, even though they're perfectly backlit to show like their full profile. Right, yeah. And just their mouth is lit with a spotlight that also highlights the leather hands and shiny. Okay, knife. I was about to mention that. The 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 knife that I hold aloft <laughs> in my leather gloved hand. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's how I so, look all the time. 
Now we've introduced ourselves. Thank or you. have we? Okay. <laughs> so Summer Sons is a book. Uh, it's Thank a book. you, Defeated. So true. Yeah. It's a book that I had heard about um, from a few different people over um, the past year because it was on the list that we chose Revelator from. I believe it was a runner-up, wasn't it? Uh, One of them. Or at least... It was on the short list. Top three? It was on the short list. So we kind of played it safe by picking it this year. Um, and Next year, we're taking risks. Yeah, we're going to pull some real we're wacky We're playing risk next year? Yes. Anyway. We're, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Summer Suns is a um, round between like 350 and 400 pages, if I remember correctly. 369. 300, oh, nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it, it, it pitches itself as a southern gothic horror, um, and it follows a, a young man named Andrew who has just found out that his um, best friend is dead, um, apparently by one of our trigger warnings, which is suicide. Um, but Andrew strongly suspects for very good reasons that that's not necessarily true. And we follow Andrew as he goes to the school that he and Eddie were supposed to go to together and investigates a potential murder. There's a lot of other stuff that happens that we'll get into, uh, including but not limited to avoiding emails and drag racing. But not and not the not the drag racing you're thinking of, unless oh, no. you're thinking of drag racing, and then this you're thinking is, of the right one. This book is queer, but it's the kind of queer that involves a lot of masculinity and sweating and that kind it's like of homoeroticism. Yeah, it's set Southern in Nashville. Gothic queer. Southern gothic queer, set in Nashville. Lots also, of I, lots of driving. I would like to issue a minor correction on your summary. Oh, yeah? I apologize, Nina. No, I might be so wrong. Go ahead. Him going and investigating is a strong word. Oh, That's investigating true. is a very strong you word. Really word. Information Huger asterisk on the word trying, investigating. I was trying to be really kind. Um, okay. it, it, You're being so too kind you can for, for Andrew My true colors come story. out when I say that the plot involves avoiding emails because that is no less than like a good 50% of the plot. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I would like relatable. To, but <laughs> Yeah, no, me too, buddy, but... I would I would like to lightly dispense with our traditional format again. No, um, I think we should probably do our content warning first. Yes, yes there's because some there's not a lot ones. we can talk about without actually bringing these up. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, previously a, mentioned, a big big one is uh, suicide and self harm. Very graphically Very descriptive. Mm-hmm. Descriptive, described. Um, I can talk. Described. Yeah. Descriptionated. Um, yeah. And that, that as the Southern boys would say. I'm sure Usually they would. Usually we. We don't talk about the triggers, like the actual content of them during the podcast episode. That might change this episode because um, I have some issues with the depiction of certain things that I do want to talk about in some amount of detail. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and throw an extra trigger warning on for self-harm because we're not just going to glaze over it in the conversation entirely, but I'll try to still keep it pretty um vague mm-hmm. we got some homophobia we yeah do. we do we got uh f slur is used not liberally Just a but handful of times more than like 10 times through the book and yeah. again it's set in nashville yeah. um yep. so see there's um, uh there's some drug use drug there's tremendous a lot of drug amounts use. of drug use alcohol abuse uh, drinking there's and definitely driving peer pressure frequently. as well Drinking and driving. That's the thing. That littering. A lot of most. people in the Goodreads ca- reviews were yeah. mad about Andrew I, littering. I made like five littering. or six. Well, I would have made five or six notes if I had actually been taking notes through the whole book. But yeah, at there's like somewhere down in like page 200 area where I'm just like, 
all right, how many times are these guys like a crumple a can and throw it out their window? Yeah. Could we not? <laughs> yeah. Why do we got to mention that? Yeah. Only? Also, lots of throwing up. Lots of there throwing up. There is a lot of throwing mm-hmm. up. Oh, um, ghost possession. Yes. Oh, there's a, That's a, a little bit of that. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not a good thing. It is a little homoerotic. Yeah, Almost I love the way that, that it's uh-huh. described every single time. I, it is one of my favorite things in this book is the description of the possessions. But we can get to yeah. that when we get to that. Um, I had one more thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, there is a sex scene that happens. Is. This is a. Um, it starts out uh, pretty obviously, and it gets a little bit graphic. But then there's a scene break, so if you skip from where it starts to get a little graphic just to the next scene break you'll miss all of the graphic stuff if you don't want to read that um yeah you'll miss like a page and a half of stuff that isn't that isn't plot relevant um twitter guy voice the sex scene isn't plot relevant it is but yeah, like it, it is felt like but it you don't have to read details. you knowing that it happened is important but you don't necessarily have to read all the details yeah. to get what happened sure. um yeah i was i was i knew the scene was coming because nina had offhandedly mentioned it and i'm like it's got to happen soon. I'm like three quarters of the way through this book. It's got to be coming. And then... You know who it, else be coming? It did be, it did be coming. Uh, but it was a far more explicit fade to black than I thought it would be. Yeah, and, uh, yeah it goes a little yeah. bit further than your traditional fade to black does, but... It does. I, but yeah, I didn't it think it was that bad, honestly. No. It's, it's not. It was just more explicit than I was anticipating it to be. Fair, fair, um, fair. I think that's really it. There's... Uh, um, we've said drug use, but there's also one. like, mm-hmm. uh, there's also, I'm just going to drop it in like poisoning, uh, oh, at one point, that, yeah. like kind of the, mm-hmm. but I think other than that, I think that's all I got. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rupees this is, and party drugs. This is not so much a trigger as it is a potential pet peeve for people, but the main character is an asshole. Oh yeah. yeah the entire we'll front half of the story, he is the most frustrating man on earth. And on the back half, he's still the most frustrating man, but someone dragged him to the plot by the scruff of the neck, so at least he's doing something. And that's why we love Riley. (laughs) He's snickering. He knows he's stealing That's why we love Sam. What do you mean? (laughs) Sam and Riley. It's the combination of the two. Um, Last warning. This is obviously a bit on the lighter side. This this book um, describes people's feet too often and using words that make me uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. It's not like a problem but it pulls me every single time her plump feet were pressed against his thigh yeah no, like who, ta- who says that shit what the someone fuck? with a yeah. foot fetish his surprisingly exactly. bony large yeah, feet like, no put and those like, away it's one of those things where like there's there's a lot early on in the book where it's like you know descriptions of the dudes that Andrew is looking at and it's like well I don't know if the author is trying to impress upon me that these boys are so hunky or if it's that Andrew thinks these boys are so hunky it, I, I don't know which it is bet. Obviously, by the time you get to the end of the book, you know the answer to that. But like the feet thing is never addressed. So I still don't know where that's coming from. (laughs) So what's interesting is Mandela's next book is going to be a a sci-fi that's a lesbian sci-fi. Oh, I'm into that shit. Um, I'm down. I don't know that it's space. I'm not saying space. Sci-fi can also be stuff like uh, Black Mirror. So um, space. space Anyway, my point is... (laughs) Um, I'm interested to see when he is, his main character is attracted to women. Mm. I'm interested to see how that changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I say this as though I intend to read the next book. I don't really, I don't, we'll get into it. Fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, well, that's it for trigger see. warnings. 
if they keep describing feet in the same way. Yeah, I gotta find out. Who's, who's gonna fall on their sword and figure it out, Jeff? It'll be me, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Anyway, um, I I don't know. I feel weird about giving books number ratings to a point. I feel weird about giving everything number ratings. You can suck it up. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fine. I'm still, I, I don't know, man. It's a three out of five. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, you I do found books this book on fives be, rather than tens? I think that's what we did last year. Okay. I, I don't know. It's I rate everything on the five scale, and then I scale it up to ten for y'all. Because you would that's give what it a Letterbox six out of ten? Yeah, pro well, here's the issue. Okay, so here's... Here's my thing. Okay. I loved the end of this book as abrupt as it is. I loved the end. And if there was just something that fixed the pacing in the first three quarters of the book, I think I'd be very happy. Mm -hmm. Because some of the early pacing just doesn't do it for me. Okay. But all Valid. that being said, the end really like comes together in a fun way for me. The imagery starts to click. Mm. Like there's a lot of prose in this book that are a little a little flowerier than I want. I don't need to know how to make a Keurig work. You know, I, I don't need to see every the step, step of that. The step-by-step walkthrough of how to make a Keurig cup of coffee. Of iced coffee. Of iced coffee. The step-by-step -step on how to open your phone and look at a text message someone has sent you. See, some okay, of the stuff like, like that I don't mind, but... Other times, it does feel like it drags for me, which is why I give it a, uh, a six out of ten, I suppose. Remind me to talk about everything that you just said later. Okay. Hey Jeff, don't forget <laughs> later. Uh, I, I give it like a four out of five, I think. Mm -hmm. I liked okay. it. I really liked it. Um, <laughs> Nina's just shaking their head. Um, I, I don't. So full disclosure, I got about halfway through the book. Um, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, I had a Kickstarter launch. Um about a week and a few days ago uh, and yeah. it's been going very well and that's very exciting. and it's been keeping me very busy yeah and so my plan was that i was going to read through the entirety of the book um last night and then today um but it turned out to be a larger monster than i intended and so i got about halfway and yeah so i've got thoughts and things and i don't mind spoilers and stuff so there are parts where I'll be probably pretty quiet and other parts where I'll probably be talking a lot because I have thoughts and opinions on the first half of this book, at least. Um, but because I didn't finish the book, I don't feel like it's proper for me to give it a rating. Fair enough. Um, I gave this book on Goodreads right after I finished it a two out of five because Ooh. even though at the time I felt like it was a one out of five, I knew that I would probably mellow on it over time, and I have, so I'm going to leave it at a 2 out of 5. A 4 out of 10 for those Oof. who need a out of 10 rating. Okay. I do not like this book. All right. It did not make me mm -hmm. like it, um, and I have a lot of reasons why that is. Some more personal, most personal. I'll, I'll admit, here's one thing I'll say before we go in. Um, I'm going to curb my dislike of this book for some things and I'm going to not bring up some things that I know are strictly personal because I know a lot of what I didn't like is intentional on Mandela's part. Like they're self-aware enough and they address enough of the stuff through other characters that I know they're doing it on purpose mm -hmm. and that they enjoy what they're doing. Personally, I cannot stand it. 
Um, so I know it's a me thing. If I did not have to read this for this podcast, I would not have finished it. Um, yeah, and I can't say that I'm glad that I read it, but I am also aware that it's just not the kind of book I like. It's not the kind of book Mm -hmm. I like to read, and I'm not shy on stopping books when I don't like them, which is why you don't hear me talk, um, in real life, people who talk to me in real life. You won't hear me talk about books I don't like, it's because I don't finish them. (laughs) So you're gonna hear about it today, though, because I finished this one, and we're here to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. It's funny because you, by a long shot, started reading this long before the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would message me about it sometimes um, and some of the problems you had with it. And I was like, well, we can choose another book. I don't think anybody else has started or anything. And you're like, no, it's fine. We can do it. <laughs> we already bought it. We had already bought it. And I yeah. knew, again, I knew, I know it's a lot of me stuff. And I thought um, maybe you guys would actually like it because, again, I'm aware I'm aware that this is a lot of stuff that I personally don't like. I have ADHD. Um, I am a writer. There are a lot of reasons that uh, I, when I'm reading it these days, I can't just read for fun as much anymore. I have mm. to really get past a lot of roadblocks before I can start to get absorbed. Nina yeah. started reading this book in peak edit mode, yeah, I was finishing doing, I was their doing second revisions. book. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, so. big revision mindset. I noticed some really stupid things that no sane person would notice reading this book. There are three pages early on where they use the word tousled to describe someone's hair three times in a row. And two of those instances are mere paragraphs apart from each other on the same page. No normal person would notice that shit. I didn't know. I only noticed two out of three of those. Yeah, mm. so that's where, I, just so y'all know where I'm coming from. Got it, got and, it, and yeah. By, by stating this goal, I think I'm negating the fact that I'll achieve it. But mm-hmm. my goal is, by the end of this podcast, I want you to forget that I did this right now and yeah. ranted. I want you yeah. guys to completely forget how much I said I hated this book by the time we get to the end. So I'm turning the <laughs> switch now. Switch is being turned. I only have one thing that I'm going to get really angry about, and the rest I'm going to try and be normal. Okay. I okay. have a, a um, funny thing to say instead of an angry thing. Okay. I didn't know this was a gay book. Oh my god, did you not? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know anything. Okay, so... Uh, for a, a peek behind the curtain, if it's not planning movies, I just kind of go. Um, I'm handed a book called Summer Suns, and I'm like, okay. And then I read it, I'm like, oh, this is a, an incest book? It's a gay book. And I was very confused. It's not, <laughs> not an incest, incest. book. Nope. No. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that could be a little bit clearer on that front from the get-go. Uh, it that's a, I feel like that is pretty clear. There that is an awful lot about like the the history of the characters early on that stays kind of mysterious for an awful lot of the book, but I don't think that's one of them. It's the it is the problem is the opening sentence about Eddie's obituary um, refers to him as being Andrew's adopted brother. Yeah, there is and then the following conversation with Dell doesn't really clear much up. Um, yeah, I, I've, I mean, I figured it out by chapter two. Right, it, it does like, get cleared up. I did clear up very quickly, but, but, but Noah, also... Noah didn't have the warning going in, so that first sentence must have hit him like a fucking bag of bricks. Yeah, no, the first sentence, I'm like, I found out in one sentence, okay, this is a queer horror book. They are related, question mark. This is a thing that's... Oh, but, I'll, I'll say this in a sec. Um, that I just thought that was kind of funny. I went into this book so blind that I actually knew less than nothing about it outside of the fact that it was a southern horror novel okay mm-hmm. that's hilarious i love that for you thank it's you thank um, you very good yeah 
I was going to say something. Oh, oh, God. Real quick. So mm-hmm. in order to prepare, when I realized I wouldn't be able to finish this, I was like, I can at least like look up a summary online or something. Could not fucking find a summary online anywhere. And so um, I was re- about to say, oh, cool. Would you like to just read the summary? For <laughs> <us>? Nope. <laughs> um, so I started searching on TikTok and I was like, surely there's somebody on TikTok that's willing to talk about the details of like the ending of this book. Um, and I couldn't find one. But there were a lot of reviews where people are like, oh, this book is like amazing. It's my favorite mm-hmm. book. Yeah, um, there's a very specific type of person who latched onto this. The the top video or the first video that showed up when I searched it was like an extreme, sh- extremely negative review of the book. Um, it was and Nia. I was like, I'm more aligning with this person and what they're saying from what I've read so far. Um, and I will bring up some of the things that they said uh, and we can talk about them. Yeah. All right. Um, I can do a summary for this book, by the way, because um, I might need help with some of the details because sure. I'm pretty I have a really good handle, I think. on um, Sam's boxers plot. were green in that one scene. Thank um, you. Oh. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah. Just okay. in case you needed that detail. So are we ready for a summary? Oh, you, wait, oh, hold on. Oh. Do you remember anything about his like back muscles under his shirt in that scene as well? Or? <laughs> oh, what about when when Riley stretches in that early scene and yeah, his like yeah. limber body is pressed up against his car? Or when after the fight, um, when Sam puts his hands in his back pocket and it stretches his jeans across his crotch? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> all important things. Plot relevant. Yeah. No, I remember all of that. Plot relevant. Yeah. I can do that. Okay. Oh, it was at page 257 when I finally wrote down. So Sam's like okay. gay, right? Okay, this like, is gonna is be he? really funny. I have to I have to disclose this right now. Um I think it's gonna be really obvious from some of Noah's notes that he is the only um straight person here. Well, mm. okay, hey, okay, hear me out. I knew Andrew was gay. Or closeted gay, I should say. Mm-hmm. Closeted by whatever. But I'm like all the stuff that like there's multiple moments where it talks about Sam being all up and physical on him, but not like in a roughhousing way and just a very close physical way mm-hmm. where it, it finally hit a point where I'm like, OK, but l- Sam is Sam's gay. Right. And I, <laughs> I go to Nina. I'm like, Sam is gay. Right. And Nina's like, yeah, 250 page <laughs> 57 is the point where Sam grabs Andrew by the hair <laughs> to See, here's the thing. Yeah, by the him? hair in a. Uh, yeah, in a comforting kind of way. Okay. Like, yeah, oh, a comforting hair here. pulling, you know, two, like you do with your brothers. Two things <laughs> to give Noah the benefit of the doubt. First thing, um, I could pick up on what Sam was going on with Sam really early on because I'm familiar with queer archetypes in books because I consume a lot of queer stories. Oh. So I mm-hmm. kind of knew where things were going right away just because of that. Um, because I had crossed out other characters as the love interests, which meant Sam was the only one left over. Um, <laughs> secondly, I did find out early on when I was about, I was not very far into the book, but I was starting to get frustrated and wanted to know if there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And I did find out in going through the Tumblr tag to look at fan art and stuff that a lot of people suspect there is no outward confirmation but mandelo has written papers about this series um that this is fan fiction oh 
of this of is what? altered fan fiction of a series i think called the dream thieves was what was what i was seeing um so you know i'm not this is not a criticism of that fact this is um a lot of original stories start out as fan yeah. fiction and you take the characters to a point where they are basically not those characters anymore and i think that a lot of those stories can end up being really fulfilling um if you develop them far enough away from that original story and mm-hmm. even if you don't so i don't really have a problem with that at all and I don't think the fan fiction is necessarily like worse writing in any way. I just think that it explains a lot yeah. of how certain characters are written, knowing See, that. If you had asked me what series I thought this was fan fiction of, um, I would have said Fast and Furious. <laughs> Honestly. It, Southern Paul Walker and, and Vin Diesel's character. It feels like yeah. somebody was just like, I don't know, what if Fast and Furious was gay? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> but not the late but, ones. I mean, just maybe the first it's two. haunted as well, perhaps. You know, like yeah. haunted gay Add Fast a little and spice. Furious. Do you think that's a thing? Maybe I should write that. And now we have Summer yeah. Sons. It does feel like that. But yeah, that's those are just a couple things um, that I knew while I was reading that kind of keyed me into what was going to happen with Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Sam was gay ahead of time. Um, I've read one book in the last five or six years and it was the book we reviewed last year. (laughs) So I did not see that coming. Honestly, the biggest plot twist that I got to in this book was when Andrew was like, what are you talking about? We weren't in a relationship. We're yeah, just really good friends. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were yeah. just best friends like, oh, who cuddled buddy. and smooched sometimes, and we held hands, <laughs> yeah. and we, you know, and what is we it? were it's blood like, brothers. It's literally like one tattooed each other. Like one chapter after that, that Riley like finds Andrew wearing Eddie's clothes and like sleeping in his bed, and he's like, "What part of this seems heterosexual or well-adjusted to you?" Like literally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's because Riley is the only well-adjusted character in this whole book, yeah. so he's the only one who can pick up on that shit. Yeah. Uh, let's talk summary, though. Oh, let's, let's talk, talk yeah. summary. Because there are other well-adjusted characters that I will bring up in this summary. Yeah. Okay, so. There's one. There's, like, one other well-adjusted. <laughs> There's one. one. It's, it's just it's, the one. It's, it's West. West. Obviously, um, it's West. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this book follows Andrew as he goes to look into Eddie's um, death. So we start with Andrew picking up Eddie's car from the impound alongside Eddie and Andrew's shared ex, Del. Poor sweet Del, um, who is not like perfect in of herself, but she is also grieving the death of someone who she was very close to. And we learn Andrew's character trait that will be his only character trait for the first third of this book, which is that he's sad Eddie is dead and he doesn't think that anyone else is allowed to be sad that Eddie is dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> he bitches Dell out several times, tells her to fuck off, etc., etc. Picks up the car, um, drives the car to the um, is it an apartment house. or a house? Sorry, it's a house. It's a house. The house that he shared, that Eddie shared with one other person. Um, once he gets to the house, Andrew kind of has a moment of um, reflection and fear of kind of getting into Eddie's life. He's never been apart from Eddie until Eddie went to college or for their, his like um, uh, grad program. They, they even went to undergrad together. Brief interjection. There are a few moments through the book where Andrew makes a, a concerted point to talk about how Eddie basically did everything for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he rolled all his blunts. He planned his college course. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, they are in a very tied his shoes, openly codependent iron relationship. His um, so Andrew is now at this place, the place that Eddie spent the last six months of his life apart from Andrew. He has a bit of a moment, and then uh, the possessions begin. Um, as he's sitting in his car outside of this house, uh, he is visited by um, what he really doesn't want to admit is the ghost of Eddie. Um, passes out in his car that night and in the morning or later in that night, I think is awoken by Riley, uh, Eddie's old roommate. Riley is great. He's doing his darndest to make sure that Andrew uh, feels at home, takes him inside, shows him all the stuff, all of Eddie's old stuff. The two have a beer. Um, Andrew is standoffish yet again and a dick yet again. Oh, Riley didn't know him that well, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they go to bed. Next morning, Riley introduces uh, Andrew to Sam, his cousin, Riley's cousin. Um, Sam is immediately a dick. He is also standoffish in a completely different way, very rough, but also pretty open immediately to including Andrew in activities and is like, hey, you should come out with us. And Andrew's like, fuck no, I'm going to cry myself to sleep. And he does. Yeah. Um, eventually. Repeat um, that. And that's the first third of the book. That is. It that is a lot well, of that, that and a lot of Andrew, beer and a lot of weed for the first third. And a lot of weed and book. a lot of yeah. beer. Uh, and then Andrew decides finally to start going to classes. He meets, um, the people that Eddie was working with for his thesis. Um, Lee Mandelo is a PhD student, so I'm not oh. going to question the way that grad work goes. I don't know if this is at all the way that it works, but, um, cause I've never done grad work before and I don't intend to, but, um, Andrew meets, um, two people that Eddie had worked with. West, a professor um, who is who believed in Eddie and thought that Eddie was too good for the people he was hanging around with. Um, and Troth, a um, mentor who was very invested in Eddie's work. Um, this is something, this is uh, an important thing to mention because it's brought up later, um, but it was kind of hard for me to pick up on. Um, the... Races of characters are not often explicitly stated right away, and I think it would have been beneficial to know a little bit more up front that West is black because that does play into his character stuff that happens. Was that not clear from his introduction? I did not feel it was clear from his introduction. I thought I picked up on that. Okay, how did how did you guys pick up on it? Because I'm going to be honest. He's described, isn't he? Yeah. I'm gonna, it did not hit me until they describe his locks like later on, where I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, and his initial introduction that's, yeah, that's, that talks about his locks. Yeah, that's in the initial. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Really? I missed it. If me and Emma both got it, then like it's got to be in there. <laughs> then it's got to be there. I yeah, will. I, I will admit that. I got halfway through, and I'm like, man, Lee really has a disease for describing what anyone's like outside of casual remarks like oh outside of this guy everyone at this party's white and i'm like okay everyone at the party's white good to know everyone in the core friend group primarily is white i can follow that i had a really hard time imagining people throughout the book yeah there's his, there's some there's some know. parts where i had some issues to, um that, it's good that, to know that i did just miss that line for west yeah, yeah I, I, so. I didn't have a hard We're time dumb. with that personally uh again i i'm gonna give myself the excuse that i have adhd and mandela's writing was really hard for me to read sure um sure. i could totally see but that. that's on me i did eventually notice it I, it didn't escape <laughs> me for the entirety of the book. I just missed it in the initial description. Anyway, West is great. Um, and Troth is also there and a little bit overbearing in the beginning. Um, 
And uh, then we get into the middle section of the book, which I will also describe loosely, um, which is the Andrew finally learns to open up over the course of two drag races, a lot of drugs, a party, um, and uh, avoiding a lot of emails. Um, he keeps throughout this, I'm going to just kind of vaguely describe this section throughout this section. He mostly, um, gets emails about Eddie's stuff that he was doing. He thinks about maybe reading Eddie's notes, but then gets too emotional every time he starts to get into them to like actually do it, which is kind of fair. He's grieving his best friend. Uh, he goes out with people with the intent of interrogating and then kind of gets wrapped into the drugs and partying part and forgets to do much. Um, He's having a hard time and he's not a very investigatively minded person, it seems. Uh, not used to doing and then things this goes, by himself at all, really. No. During this section, we find out some key materials. We find out um, Riley is trans in a polyamorous relationship. Uh, we find out that Dell was largely just a vehicle for Eddie and Andrew to explore their relationship without it being like she was their no homo excuse. Yeah. And she knows this and she's pissed. And she yells at Andrew about it, which I really, that's like my favorite part of the book. Um, we also get, we find out that Riley can see ghosts, but not in the same way that Andrew and Eddie could. Andrew and Eddie seem to have something really wrong with them where they experience these kind of traumatic ex things with ghosts. Yeah. Riley just kind of has a, uh, a shining kind of to, to him. Where yeah, it's he not, can, it's not like described real yeah. clearly, but he is no, described but as he being knows psychic, when. So yeah, he knows when Andrew is having issues. That's the important thing. Um, yeah, that's that's most of what we find out during this middle chunk. Also, there um, are continued visits from the ghost. Yes, that was what I was going to say. It's, I was uh, that's where I was going. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Um, when no, you're t I've had forgotten, so I appreciate it. Um, yeah, when I when Riley Riley's psychicness comes in handy because in um. In a few instances, Andrew has some encounters with some other ghosts sometimes, but mostly with Eddie. Um, then the plot starts to happen about two thirds of the way through the book. Um, <laughs> specifically, when Sam gets sick of Andrew's bullshit and is like, do you want to see where Eddie died? And Andrew's like, how do you know where he died? And Sam is like, I asked. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and picks uh, Eddie, Andrew up and drags him to this tree where they say that Eddie died. Upon visiting this tree, Andrew has another vision, which shows him that Eddie was posed at this site, and Eddie did not die here, um, which lends way more credence to Andrew's theory that Eddie was murdered. Um, he and Sam have a little bit of a, of a fight at that point, and this is about where I picked up that this relationship is really going to take off soon. Uh, well, Andrew, and Andrew Andrew does like almost accuse Sam of murdering Eddie. Oh yeah, that's the reason no, for Sam, the fight happening. Sam beats it like Sam pulls it out of Andrew. He's like, you, "So you want to ask me if I kill Eddie?" And Andrew's like, "Maybe." And Sam's like, "Well, then ask me." And then he beats um, the shit and, out of him the way that an innocent man does. Uh huh. <laughs> um, it's just Sam's love language. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then the two of them uh, and Riley start to actually investigate this murder as. Um, they find out, Sam and Andrew, um, looking into Eddie's research, find out that Eddie is the carrier of this generational curse um, that started a long time ago when a man made a sacrifice to save his, I think it was his, his wife. wife yeah. um, 
yeah um and because of that uh seeing ghosts and shit is in eddie's family and eddie passed this over to andrew when they were kids they were in an accident um underground and eddie vomited spit blood into andrew's mouth and it in in this act passed that curse on to andrew um there's other supernatural things happening yes. yeah to clarify he, oh yeah he bled on the ground he woke up the family curse there was a, yeah, drank there's some a of lot his of blood stuff. as well it's all kind of unclear though yeah it's a blood blood curse but that's the simple basics of it is it's a generational curse eddie woke it up gave it to andrew bada bing bada boom here we are um and that's why they both andrew- see ghosts and that's why they both see ghosts. And there's a there's a version of the story written by a much shittier person where this is supposed to be like an allegory for AIDS or something. Oh yeah. And I'm really glad that's not this story. Uh, that's that's so funny. Emma, <laughs> Emma, uh, Emma just... for for the audience, um, as they were describing the curse, because I didn't get to this point in the book. Um, I wrote in the in our chat. Um, familial STD. Yep. And right after Noah was like, you know, and what some version of the book, <laughs> it's an allegory for AIDS. If J.K. Rowling, like, oh, no. oh Jesus, yeah, she would have written this shit. <laughs> oh. Anyway, so upon finding out about this curse in a way that I did not find super compelling, they go to a character who we've never heard of before. Yeah, don't put asides in the summary. I'm we gonna wait put till it the aside end. here. Anyway, they they okay. So they find out about this curse. Sam and Andrew have a heart to heart where they kind of trade traumatic life stories back and forth which is really sweet um genuinely really sweet Mm -hmm. i i enjoyed that part of the story where they finally start to kind of open up and connect with each other and it's really nice to see these two dudes who i'm doing an aside are you gonna stop me (laughs) <laughs> it's the rude asides that i'm here to okay, stop fair enough. Good asides are fine. um but it's really sweet to see these two dudes who are very toxic toxically masculine um kind of finally like shed parts of that yeah. and and mm-hmm. um kind of start to relate to each other um then uh andrew and riley go to a party at Trost's house to do some snooping they've lost they have misplaced some of eddie's research and cannot access it um, as well as kind of having some loose uh, ends that they cannot tie. And they have narrowed their suspect list down to the two obvious suspects of West and Troth. Um, so they they go to this party at Troth's house to try and locate this book. Um, Andrew does his best to distract Troth while this is going on by meeting Troth's husband, who is sick with cancer um, and not doing great. Um which, for some reason, Andrew takes as an excuse to completely cross them off his suspect list. I kind of understand him, but... I don't. <laughs> uh, it, um, Andrew's yeah. a very frustratingly dumb protagonist at times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but times. Riley's... I wish he was a himbo, often. but he is just a little dumb. He doesn't drink enough respect women juice to be a He's too busy drinking drink beer. any respect women juice. He doesn't drink He's any juice at all. Beer. He never drinks anything that doesn't have booze or caffeine in it. Incorrect. It actually literally says he drinks some um, milk straight from punch. the carton. You got me. Yeah. Also, fruit punch straight from the carton. Man can't which has use a, glasses. It's the most quote, frustrating Tenuous shit. connection to fruit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they also call applesauce fruit paste. At one point, I'm asides. Yeah. I'm gonna stop the asides. Anyway, um, <laughs> technically true, just upsetting to read. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So anyway, while just doing this distraction, um, Riley is goofing around in the library and comes out to say, couldn't find the book. Also, that library has the worst vibes I've ever felt in my life. Upon entering the house, the both of them are just like, yo, you feel that, right? This place is fucked up. Um, We find out uh, pretty soon after. We find out that West had Eddie's key, I think, to... um, some of his notes that have been set aside. Um, and then Troth just has access to all of these notes all the time. So we cannot use that as a definitive uh, kind of teller as to who's guilty and who's not. Um, though Troth does eventually just go, oh, I found this book. At a time that... that's just a little too convenient. <laughs> a little too convenient. Um, and we find out that Troth is was living like on a plantation uh and is kind of just the worst and we find out pretty quickly that she has a motive and the ability to and everything kill eddie tm um as she this is where i start to get really fuzzy because a lot of things do start happening at once but as they find this out sam and andrew i think go to confront troth i believe and get poisoned and knocked the fuck out. Yeah, that is what happens. Yeah, they show up and just Um, drink the coffee that she gives them. and (laughs) Knowing that she has murdered a man previously. Well, for some reason, they, they... like, weren't sure, but, like, just don't. There's a a moment where we're trying to figure out what exactly happened, and there's an entire conversation between Sam and Andrew where Andrew says... Well, her husband couldn't have killed Eddie because he's laid up now three months later. It's not exactly said like that. It but is like, said almost that, exactly that's... like that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's like, well, you know how, I, I, you know, Andrew in this turns 20, turns 23. He's 23. Is, yeah, he turns, turns 23. 23 during the book. So he turns 23 during the book. I understand that young people are stupid. Yeah, their early 20s are extended like, teen years. Like, it's he's dumb still, ex- but yeah. like, ah. But uh, it Come on, Andrew. You've watched yeah. movies, right? Uh, clearly, Apparently because <laughs> anyway, well, Sam's watched movies because we know this. Sam because has watched at one the Fast point, and the Furious, he... <laughs> and he's watched some horror movies. Or else, how would he know to say horror movie shit ah, when he's hearing the curse described? That's true. Um, that's true. Anyway, <laughs> they get poisoned, and they get tied up, and Troth delivers this Scooby Doo ass monologue. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little bit Scooby-Doo at that point, just a touch. Um, she goes off about why she did it and how she did it and everything. Um, and it's this is absolutely. No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was. I I'm gonna be done with this. Okay, I was just about minute, to say so. it's it's because she wants to try and gain the curse for herself and use it to control and delay right. the death of her husband, which is all like understandable right. and such. It's gothic romance shit. It's also the exact same reason the curse was introduced to the family in the first place. Right. So another reason that Andrew should have figured it out sooner. Um, But (laughs) but this is where I absolutely lose the plot because I know that they defeat and kill Troth. Yes. He eats her soul. Yeah. He devours her soul. He bonds with Eddie. He eats her soul. (laughs) They get out. The way that it's described Um, is so cool. It is. It is a really cool. Is this part of the, the book? point where they burn it? Burn, no. They burn the okay. other house. No, yeah. gonna, do you want me to take over since I just finished? Yeah, so did I. Yeah, actually. you. You're, you're fresher on the ending, so you guys can go All on right. the ending. So, 
after they eat Troth's soul. Well, um, well, well, the, they the entity Andrew and the ghost of Eddie, which is now equally uh, what split custody of his they, body, you might say. Yeah, split custody yeah, of the body. They together and eat Troth's, Troth's soul, soul, meaning the eldritch being that is puppeting Troth and Troth. Uh, the whole I didn't just think there was whoop. an eldritch being puppeting Troth. I thought she just had a certain amount of uh, expertise inside in her witchcraft and whatnot. Oh, the, and that was the, her the, own the reading aura I, that they were getting there. Okay, I got, I got it as there was another another power present as well. Oh, regardless, um, maybe it's ambiguous. she gets eaten up, so it doesn't even well, matter. Well, yeah, she gets devoured because she's immediately put down. And <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, you know we. And we save Sam, which Sam's not appreciative of because during this moment, their blood mingles, which does kind of pass the curse on to him. And he's not vibing. Well, and also while that was happening, Sam had to kill Troth's husband by strangling him with the chain on his handcuffs. Mm -hmm. So he's having a bad and time. Andrew, however, gets to pass out and well. wake up in the hospital. He did get stabbed in the <laughs> yeah, eye. He's oh, yeah, he's got a lot to be upset about. Eye. He wasn't even supposed to be there, to be fair. Exactly. <laughs> so Andrew wakes up. Uh, Sam doesn't want to talk to him because Mad. the aforementioned yeah. <laughs> forced murder. He's and also also you're missing the part where he's jealous. Of oh, he Eddie. is also jealous of Eddie. He's like, I don't want to share with a dead man. Yeah, he he has a really is a really he has nice, a few metal lines about does. the fact that these, you can tell that Mandela was really pumped to to have this specific dynamic oh, going yeah. on. Oh yeah, for because because from the moment that Sam and Andrew have sex to the moment that Eddie leaves the picture, there are just like four or five like really intensely worded lines from Sam about the situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about that more in a hot second, but we are, we're so close right. to being done. Um, so we hit the point where no one is willing to talk to Andrew right now. And Andrew's having a bad time of it because he is possessed by Eddie and they're just kind of like vibing together. Yeah. And he realizes that he has to do the, what the nightmare he's been consistently having has been telling him to do, which is go to, Eddie's family's old plantation house. So they go to the old plantation house. They realized it's cursed as hell. They get some gasoline and they burn the whole thing. They down. being at this point, Andrew and Riley. I'm sorry. Yeah, yes, Andrew Sam and Riley. Fucking yeah, he's <laughs> justifiably yeah, so. He's earned it. <laughs> they burn the whole thing down, including a bunch of like really like explicit occult books that are like telling you how to do some nasty things. Yeah, they all have titles and, like Riley The Lost Ways and, says, and The Forgotten Gods and shit like that. <laughs> and Riley's like, holy shit, can I take some of these books? Like yeah. holding up how to satanically possess a doll for dummies and shit like that. And Andrew's and, like, please no, actually. <laughs> I can't remember if Nina mentioned this, but Troth had given Andrew. I did um, mention this. You did? Uh, I did mention the book. I didn't mention what it was about. Yeah. Didn't even hear what I was going to say. I was going to say a ring. Oh, oh yes. the ring. The cursed Eddie's ring. Cursed ring, yeah. Uh, cursed ring, which is how she found out that Andrew had Eddie's um, curse in himself, which is why Troth couldn't get it the first so time. So sorry that all of this is getting ruined for you, Emma. Nah, I'm here for it. like, you're at a point <laughs> in the book where, like, the cursed <laughs> ring hasn't crazy. even shown up yet. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, it, it all picks up literally. Literally after like, that of, point is when nowhere. it starts going places. <laughs> Yeah, the faculty advisor being the killer is just wild. It's insane, isn't it? You, you, Never see well, it coming. Well, it would. I have I have reasons to say why it is uh, almost noticeable. <laughs> one could say. I, well, yeah. by the time I so by mm -hmm. the time I stopped, um, he had met her once, and then they 
had and then she just started exchange. Yeah, I was gonna say bugging him over email. Mm -hmm. No, in like the next two chapters, you will you'll understand what I'm gonna say in a minute. Yeah. Okay. So this Uh, curse ring. Yeah. Um. Andrew invites Eddie to transfer into the ring, and then he throws the ring down the the sinkhole that he and Eddie had fallen down years and years ago when this whole curse started for them in the first place. Yeah. And burns the whole house down. It is, I believe implied that while the curse is not gone from him at least his hanger on is gone and he can manage his own life better that, that way. is not implied it is explicitly stated let me let me rephrase when i said implied <laughs> i didn't want to take a strong stance in anything as i never do uh in that case yes um he can't get rid of the curse but he did get rid of eddie as a malevolent force in his life and then he hits up sam and he's like hey Dumped Eddie. You want to you literally the out? text that he sends him just says laid him to rest. <laughs> God, I dramatic ass bitch. <laughs> and they uh they all meet up at the gas station that they start their drag races from. And then they leave together with Sam saying, hey, Eddie, or not. God, <laughs> with Sam saying, hey, Andrew, let's take a step back and bring ourselves back to step one. Let's do this again. Except he has a friends. sick eye patch now. <laughs> Except he has a sick eye patch now. And then they roar off into the sunset. Into the sunset. Yeah. Yep. And the book ends. And the book is and over. The book ends. Wow. And we end on a way better note than we began on. Yeah. No one's going to forget that two out of five if you keep saying things like that. Oh. <laughs> he mentioned the two out of five. So. I was saying a positive thing. <laughs> so. I have, I have good things to say about this book. So do I. And I'm going to start with the good things. And because I want to end with the good things as well sandwiching Mm -hmm. but and i don't want to start with negativity so first i'm gonna say that while the pros this is a this is a twofer while the pros didn't exactly work for me all the time there's a there's a point at the end of the book describing the dilapidated plantation house fuck yeah talking about it like it's a it's a gaping skull of a front yeah like like it is a dead creature itself just sitting there and we know how we love Haunted houses love that are creatures in of themselves. That's a dead creature in itself. <laughs> yeah, we, we love that shit. Yeah, here. the house itself's malevolent force, like trying to get them to, like, hey, you know, you could have all the all the power in the world if you just come to the basement. And you know, I have a rare, um, a rare wine, plot, to... <laughs> uh, rare plot line down in the basement <laughs> that you could engage in. <laughs> Ooh. Me at my D and D players all the time. <laughs> Want to come down to the basement, kids? There's fucking cursed shit down yeah, here. Yeah, the the pros <laughs> being flowery, I I definitely see it being an issue at a handful of points. I think I'm a little more tolerant of that than most. Uh, oh, I'm definitely more tolerant of it than Nina oh, was certainly. as well. Leave me but alone. I'm trying to make think, people forget. I do think that especially flowery flavor of description works incredibly well when it comes to the curses and the ghost shit personally because the, the way that it describes and the homoeroticism of the homoeroticism of the haunting and also the way that the ghost is described in terms of like absence largely mm-hmm. i like yeah. that the way that it's described as like a consuming emptiness it is the feeling of rot and decay and it like its mm-hmm. presence is always like slowing his heart rate down as it approaches and shit like that yeah, yeah. like yeah there's a lot of good stuff it's so good i love it for, I love the ghosts. For I love every the time we have a here's how a Keurig machine works and trying to be too poetic during a drag race, there are two or three really good hitters in the last third of the book 
where it gets real gothic. Yeah. Can I? We finally, <laughs> we do get rid of the drag races and move to the gothic horror finally. Yeah. And like the, the poetic description of the drag racers is still kind of in like a Vin Diesel kind of way. So it's still very fast and furious. It's definitely there. very homoerotic. Yeah. Um, can Except I, when Luca's there. Can I talk about the Keurig thing for a second? Yeah, okay, so do. the the parts where it goes into too much description of uh, how he opens his phone to get to his text messages and how he goes step by step through the whole process of putting a cup full of ice under the Keurig and doing all the Keurig stuff and all that. Um, yes, that's annoying to read, but the times that that stuff is happening are the times that Andrew is having like the hardest time emotionally. And to me, it felt like that was just a reflection of like the way that it feels to perform those tasks when you're in that kind of emotional state you know like mm -hmm. everything is just I harder can... than it needs to be i thematically get yeah. it i can understand i just didn't yeah. like reading sure, i can sure. understand it this is yeah this is exactly it it's like there's a lot of stuff especially when it comes to andrew's characterization where it's like i get yeah, it it makes sense but you're also but... it makes sense for the character that mandelo is intentionally writing and knows that they're writing yeah. however I am here to read a story where things happen sometimes. Yeah. Um, and the <laughs> Love it when things early happen on, in stories. The, in, sometimes. In the first chapter, this immediately kind of started being a problem for me where he spends so much time describing how Dell looks derogatory. Oh, yeah. Um, what Dell sounds like derogatory um how annoying she is that like it i get it a hundred percent he's grieving and this is a person that he never viewed as deserving a relationship with eddie um and now she's she is the only person left who had any kind of relationship with eddie and he's she's the last person in the world that he wants to be talking to um I wish we had opened with something else. So that wasn't my first impression of Andrew yeah. because it mm. really hurt him for the rest of the book for me. Yeah. I get well, it better be fair, by the time that we get to Dell chewing him out. I get that all of that was intentional and I get like the like relationship there way better by the end of the book. Yeah. And I understand it and I hate it less than I did when I was initially reading it. But yeah. Yeah. Understandable. One of the complaints I've heard about this book and that I agree with is like all the women characters in this book are like one note shown and written as to be like, oh, my God, they're so annoying. Right. Yeah. And they're or all in there for they're like the two villain. scenes and then they never matter again. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. An issue it's for sure. really frustrating. It does um, play and, into which the is homoeroticism, why but. Yes. And the toxic masculinity. Yeah. Again, it's another one of those things that I fully believe is intentional. Yeah. I just hate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's why, again, I'm, I'm interested to see Mandela writing a book with female protagonists because um, I believe that this is a feature of this book, not a bug, right. in a way that some people probably enjoyed. But I uh, personally uh, did not. Um, I do have characters I really did love. Uh, like, I liked Riley and Sam a lot. I wish West was more of a character. I wish he was um, more present, that he was like in the story mm -hmm. in a way that mattered more. Yeah. Yeah, he he really only seems to be very utilitarian in his scenes, uh, which is who he is as a person. He is a very straightforward person. I did pick up on that. Uh, yeah. He says what he means. He does not put up with shit. If someone in a scene is being rude to him, he will simply exit the scene. Or um, if it's Riley, stand there and fight him until the end of the earth. <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't God, love, I love those I, scenes. I did not no, I here's the thing. I didn't love the the kind of enmity between the two of them because I related to both of them and liked both of them. Yeah. And I don't un- I I don't think that their kind of sniping really furthered the plot or their personalities too much. I get it. I get that West is like again, this is a me thing again. I, I get that West is kind of like projecting a lot of like insecurities about failure and people's um perception of where you belong in the world kind of onto Riley. It feels like because he's being put down in his academic journey a lot by people that think he doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And it feels like he's doing the same to Riley out of kind of a perpetuation of those things. A little bit, yeah. Flip side, we got the faculty party where, um, a different faculty party, I should say, where while Andrew was off doing something in a different room, he gets to come back and see Riley and West arguing the finer points of some, like, realistically entirely irrelevant thing that they both probably agreed on but they had to fight about and yeah, i thought never, that was a really it funny good it was of great book. it's never i love the way that it's never clarified what that argument was about just that they were really both vehemently opposed to whatever the other was saying and lucas just sitting yeah. there like oh my god this is so <laughs> yeah. embarrassing that you two are doing this and then sam texts andrew saying oh are they arguing about something they agree about yeah, and it's like, like it's implied I, that I, this is what they do literally every time they see each other. Like they literally they just haven't started avoiding each other yet. <laughs> it's honestly they probably if it if it weren't for Sam, I think they'd be best friends. Genuinely. No, or at least this this relationship would be more productive. Like it would still be like antagonistic, mm. but they would they would um get more things done. Hold on just a sec. All right, Nina's out of the room. I'm gonna talk about a negative thing before Nina can intervene. <laughs> <laughs> I was overheating. Out of anger, no I'm doubt. Back. Can I <laughs> out can of I talk about a positive thing? Yeah. Please. Yeah, I would that, love to hear. Yeah, let's go. I think Nina initially potentially considered a negative thing but i'm gonna flip it on its head for nina and perhaps oh God, okay go ahead make Let's them go. think of it in a positive way um so nina is a writer as we all know <gasps> what and nina has messaged me a few times and we've had conversations about how to include specifically trans representation in mm. like books and movies and or not movies but books and stories and stuff um where in the trans community a lot of times like after you've transitioned and everything you're what's called like stealth or a lot of people tend to go stealth um where like if you didn't know them before you wouldn't know that they were trans and like if they don't explicitly say anything then you don't know and we've had conversations about like if you have a trans character and they're like socially transitioned and everything. Is there a way to clue the audience in on them being trans without you just kind of like outing them or like it being kind of done disrespectfully? Mm-hmm. And I feel like this kind of that subject falls in line with um, other subjects of how to write like people of color um, specifically where and also women where you have like male authors writing women and their whole like subreddits and kind of twitter threads of like making fun of male authors being like oh her boobs bounced boobily 
Um, I, I think or you, you mean have her people writing titted boobily. <laughs> Somebody hasn't <laughs> read the classics. Or you have um, people writing like, or like white people kind of, this is a complaint I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of white people writing people of color. And in order to describe them, they describe their like skin color in relation to like foods and yeah. stuff. And it just being really weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciated in this book. Um, I mean, you all didn't pick up on the fact that West was kind of described with locks at the beginning. I, I reread so felt... that thing and I'm, I feel very stupid because it is very <laughs> <Okay>. clear <laughs> I from always... the introduction two white women and one black man were in the room. And then oh, it goes yeah. on to describe him okay, after so he says hello. I feel less stupid because I always, I feel the same amount of stupid. I always feel when I miss descriptions in books, which is a lot of the time. Um, mm-hmm. I actually did not read the part where it describes Sam as having a shaved head. I found that out from fan art and then just pretended to act like I had always known that that was a description he got. Oh. So um, <laughs> I'm just going to say that this Nina is a problem he was I always bald. have. Oh. I did not. Yeah. That's how I described him when we were. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, uh, if we're talking about Riley, I did not think that I never thought of that as a negative in this book. When you're writing no, a story yeah. yeah, in the real world, you they're like. Because fantasy is one thing. It's it's especially if you're trying to write a um, like what sort of queer normative setting, mm. which is mm-hmm. the kind of setting that I write, where I just do not. It's there is no homophobia. There's no transphobia. There we just kind of those things exist as normally as any other kind of relationship. Everything is equal. But when you're writing in the real world in the South. Um, those things are going to come up. And I really liked how Mandelo did it. And I liked that it was recent and related to the main characters, um, specifically to Eddie, because Eddie is the one who paid for Riley's surgery. I, mm-hmm. I liked that it wasn't just brought up just um, something that's been long done and had no relationship to Andrew or Eddie. That's mm. not what it is. It is something that directly relates to why Riley is so attached to Eddie and their relationship and things that Eddie did for Riley. I think it was really well done. Um, Mm. I really, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the scene where they just explore that, where it's basically, um, I was waiting for Noah to get to the scene because it is another one of my favorites where after their night out partying, Riley sits Andrew down and is like, look, you witnessed three things last night that I would like to address right this moment before we get any further in our relationship. One, yes, I am in a thruple. Two, yes, I am trans. Three, yes, I can see ghosts. Let's move on. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, no, I, well, I really then, did like that. Like, I don't remember the exact description given, but I think Riley mentioned, like, yes, I have, like, these scars, and we need to talk about that. Um, but, like, I was re- one of the reviews I read was talking about they weren't a fan of the book but one of the things was like was riley trans they're like they never directly say it am i supposed to assume it and i'm like it's so directly stated i saw someone say the same thing about riley being in a in a in a polyamorous relationship so he literally draws a diagram for andrew he literally does he literally draws like i'm in an a-frame polyamorous relationship where i'm on top and they don't care about each other isn't that cool literally (laughs) so i mean i may have really i may have missed some descriptions but at least i didn't miss that yeah Yeah, some people but my whole thing being like 
I appreciated that rather than directly always saying like, oh, this person is Asian or, oh, this person is black and constantly like reiterating that through description, Mm. um, like towards that specifically using secondary characteristics and stuff in order to like get that point across, like the top surgery scars and mm-hmm. like the fact that characters have locks, yeah, or like or, these uh, other Sam things. makes reference I, later I in the book was to uh, uh, when Riley changed its name, that kind of thing. Yeah, see, mm-hmm. I also like that stuff, but um, so two things. First of all, I'm stupid. Uh, I have terrible reading comprehension. I cannot read. This is a very consistent joke in a lot of my friend groups who know that I I write, but also that I'm cannot read. Um, I have terrible reading comprehension. Um, I don't miss everything, but I do miss a lot. Um, so I appreciate it when an author reiterates things point blank. There was an article circulating recently really ragging on one of my favorite authors for the fact that he uses simplistic um, sentences and prose. That's one of the reasons I really like this author, because I'm stupid and I need those things said really plainly sometimes it can be once and then we can like mention those secondary characteristics or like once or twice depending on how long the book is um but that like i find that really helpful because i have a hard time keeping track sometimes also of like which characters have what characteristics or whatever just because you know um secondly some people are even worse at reading comprehension than i am Um, and as we just discussed with people not picking up things that were explicitly and repeatedly stated, um, about the polyamory specifically, where it's like, I, I am afraid that people are going to miss things and then call my book bad because they missed things. Um, and I hate it when people do that to authors that I like, especially authors that are really plain in their wording, because it happens a lot. Because reading comprehension, everyone reads in their own way, and a lot of people skim, I skim. Um, it, so, like, I, I also appreciate the intent, and again, this is another me thing, but personally, I find it frustrating um, when secondary characteristics are used, because sometimes I feel like I'm missing something, or they're trying to make me put two and two together, and then I'll check fan art and forums, and everyone will be like, was this supposed to be this? Was that supposed to be that? Um and I, there will be no consensus and I'll be really confused. But that's not the case in this book. This book uses it really well. Um, I still found it frustrating sometimes, uh, but that's on me. So Fair. that's all that. I would like to complain about something now. All right. Um, we've talked about Andrew being insufferable for the first, like, 80 to 90% of this book. Um, <laughs> which he is. Not quite that bad. <laughs> but yeah. But... Um, I would like, because I got to the halfway point and he was still very insufferable, um, to paint Mm -hmm. the picture for the audience, I would like to take this moment, um, to describe how I viewed Andrew and, um, see how you all felt. So, um, you know how in some TV shows specifically like you, is something I've been seeing this a lot with where the main character has such a strong internal monologue where there are edits where they'll have the show and they take the monologue out and it's one character saying something and then it's like 10 minute or 10 seconds of complete oh, silence. Yeah. And then the, the other character will respond. Um, and then in video games you have like mass effect 
Um, <laughs> you have some like role playing games and stuff where you have like choices of what you want to and say, and it's there. like, oh, you can say, you can say, um, you can say, oh, I really want to help you and you go and you're like yeah that's helpful and you'll go and click i really want to help you and then your character will be like I, yeah i want to help you you stupid fucking idiot and yeah we'll, <laughs> like, you're like i didn't realize that's what that was gonna be yeah. andrew feels like a combination of those two things yeah yeah, um, yeah. where he has such a strong so self-absorbed internal monologue and then after reading 10 paragraphs of his thought process he'll finally respond to something somebody says and it effectively is just very short. Fuck you, and literally, then walks yeah. away. Yeah, he does that. This is a it's huge awful. problem. It's so annoying. His text responses, or it's people like Andrew, please respond to me, and then he's like, "K." Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and especially like his internal monologue is so strong at first of being like, "Oh, I've got to investigate and find out what happened to Eddie, and I've got to go down to Vanderbilt to find to meet all these people and." Like get to the bottom oh, and, of this, and, and then you he forgot, gets down I there. I am the only man who has ever suffered like this. <laughs> oh yes, that is important. Of course, but he gets down there, and then he doesn't ask fucking anybody a no, single goddamn nothing. question. He doesn't no. interact with fucking anybody. No. He'll wonder all these questions, and he'll pose a lot of things of like, "Oh, I wonder if Riley's worried about me like kicking him out or anything, or like, he oh, was. I wonder why Riley was." like allowed to live or was invited to live with Eddie after only two weeks of and knowing just doesn't him. Ask. And then he goes in the house and he just, he's like, Riley's like, Oh, so do you want to like talk or anything? And he's like, no, fuck off. And then he walks <laughs> up the stairs. Yeah. I'm like, God damn it. Uh, and it's so fucking it's, annoying. It really he is. Talk, he's so like self-righteous about wanting to get to the bottom of yeah. this, but he does not he does investigate a it. single fucking he, thing. And it like <laughs> yeah. it gets like like really exemplified in this like I think mid late section where there's kind of just like a quiet domestic moment between him and Riley and Riley is like, "Hey, listen, I know you've got a bunch of uncomfortable questions about the fact that I'm trans. This is a good opportunity for you to ask them right now." And Andrew decides not to ask any questions about it and cracks a joke instead, not because he wants to be respectful to Riley or anything, but because he doesn't feel like having a difficult conversation. And this is how he approaches mm. literally every interaction he has with another person throughout the entire book. Every single time a conversation begins and he's, and it's just like, oh, Andrew is already exhausted by this interaction. And he just wants out <laughs> as fast as possible. It's like two sentences in, he's barely said a word. And he's just like, oh, I can't stand this conversation that I'm stuck in right now. I gotta leave. And then he just gets up and fucking leaves. <laughs> And again, oh gosh, this yeah. is intentional because, again, when he gets pissy at Sam about how do you know where Eddie died or whatever, Sam's response is, I asked. I looked into it, you fucking dumbass. Imagine. Like, God, I, like Nina and I were talking about, like, because they're just like, hey, did you get to the part of the book where uh, Sam drags him to the plot? And I'm like, yeah, I did, actually. And it's just like, it feels like that neat, like, Andrew was waiting for someone to hand him the plot. And that's honestly, cause I, I actually do like the drag racing portions. They're I think fun. that there's a They're way cool. that if the pacing of this book was cleaned up or if Andrew was less of an insufferable asshole for the first third of the book, cause he's like, 
the internal monologue we get from him is, I don't know who of Eddie's old friends I can trust. I mean, they let him die after all. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Okay, buddy. What? Calm I get down. you're sad, but like, <laughs> calm your tits here. And then he's like, mm, I only feel alive when Eddie's here. So I may as well risk my life. It's reckless, but it's what Eddie would do. And it's like, Okay. It's like, do you want to- I get it. He's like, I wish I knew what Eddie was doing. West? No, I won't talk to him. Riley? No, I won't talk to him. Sam? Hmm, that suspicious son of a bitch. I'll talk to him. I'll hang out with him, but not I ask him any questions. Instead, I'm, yeah, gonna, I'm gonna go gonna hang, hang out, out with, with Riley's boyfriend. And I'm gonna ask Literally, him some questions like, because he's so unconnected Sam. to everything but, else. And yet again, it's such a non-entity that again, he has to be helpful. Yet again, it's intentional. And I know it's intentional because Mandela lampshades all of this shit he constantly. Because again, Sam is like, why the fuck would you talk to Ethan and not me? So Mandela knows. No, no, even better after that conversation. We get a full section of Riley being like, hmm, of course, Ethan would have spilled the beans about spending time with me to Riley. And then, of course, Riley would tell Sam everything because he always tells Sam everything. Hmm. Looks like I can't It makes trust you wonder anyone. who I can really be friends with in this town. And when we it finally gets past that point, things are looking up and it, we finally move away from the brooding, brooding monologues. Then shit actually gets done. We finally get to see. (laughs) Yeah, we finally get to see the new conflict is Sam saying, listen. No, that's it, just listen. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and Andrew's just like, I don't know if I wanted to listen to Sam right now. I suddenly (laughs) want to meet with Wes. Uh, And I suddenly want to meet with Troth. Troth. God, also Thom. I know it's oh, not Thom. Thom. I know it's Tom. It's Tom West, but with um, an H. And then we also have Troth. Don't yes, do I Lee. Don't love that I mean either. this respectfully. You gotta name your characters better things. They are for the two people that operate in the same side plot of the book. You can't have anyone with that similar a name working together. I agree. In my I opinion, I didn't have a problem. Professor with that. Trom. Lee, if and you're listening, I, Lee, no, no, I liked no. the book. I didn't think that was a problem. Don't. We're not tagging Lee in this. <laughs> no, I, no, we're not no, tagging Lee. I believe Lee, Lee is a nice us, person. Um... <laughs> I believe Lee is a nice person, and I believe that they wrote this book genuinely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to hear what I have to say. I just have <laughs> issues with names that are too close together. I agree. And I, I think Tom spelled that way and Troth were a little too close for me. They have a lot of letters in common. They all both have a T and H and an O is the only vowel. I 100% get it. Thom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, it just made me think of Radiohead and I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? Um, um, but. Oh, sorry. Jeff should go because Jeff liked this yes, book. And Jeff. I uh, something else that I enjoy. Uh, um. Yeah. The uh, Andrew starts to realize that he's not straight sequence. I thought was really fun. Yes. Because yes. it was really mirrored good. my own experience for our listeners. If you're not aware, sorry, this is how you find out. I'm not straight. Fuck you. Um, no way. What? Uh, <laughs> I can't be on a podcast with you. Oh, no. <laughs> Guests at Sam's Damn, party. Be this like... is one of those woke Antifa podcasts. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Um, but anyways, like the, the way that like throughout the sequence, he's suddenly just like going about all his normal tasks, but just like looking at people and thinking, oh, I probably would never have noticed this person a couple of weeks ago. 
it's as though the entire world has just changed around me suddenly because I've realized something about myself. Like that, I thought that whole sequence was written in a really nice and fun way. Yeah, absolutely. I I really liked. Um, I I think it's really realistic because um, like he had this codependent relationship with someone. And then he's out of that. And of course, if that's his like longest relationship um, in a in a situation where neither of them were fully honest with each other or themselves yeah. um, to kind of have this moment of questioning everything and the fact that Dell gets to also be the one to to like be the catalyst yeah, to because make it she happen. knows she knows i liked that everything about them and their relationship and the fact that she got to have that moment of being like hey i'm not just saying this for me i'm saying this for you because you're too stupid to have figured it out and i think that you'll benefit from knowing yeah. you're gay <laughs> um i really liked that she got to do yeah. that um and and that she got to be like, my therapist told me to tell you to fuck off. I'm going home. And then she fucks off and goes yeah. home. Um, yeah, I, I, really yeah, I really enjoyed like that. that that whole arc. Um, yeah, him I, like, did, I did enjoy. Him like going through and recontextualizing all of his memories of their relationship mm -hmm. is a nice touch to that sequence as well. I really liked that. Oh, yeah. Where she's like, yeah, remember how you did this and this and this and it was totally gay? And he's like, no. And she's like, what? No. We had sex <laughs> on. <laughs> it couldn't be. And then later on in the book, he's like, yeah, I'm remembering when we would like cuddle in bed and he would like kiss the back of my neck and shit. And it's like, like hey, wait Andrew. a minute. We would cuddle in bed and he would kiss the back of my neck. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Hold on a second. Um, on that note, to, to bring us back to the spirit possessions, I loved how every single time he was at least attempted to be possessed by mm. Eddie, Eddie basically just grabbed him by the back of the neck and pressed him down into whatever he had. It was yeah. a very overtly sexually charged possession sequence. Back on the reading comprehension thing, that was another thing I saw was people being like, I expected the ghost scenes to be sexy, but they weren't. And I'm like, you're the same person who watched Hellraiser 2022. And we're like, <laughs> this isn't sexy at all. It's like, you just don't, you're not into it. That's okay. But it is sexy. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that there was a lot of the tension that existed in life um, yeah. persisted it's in like, death. Very it's cool. a little bit more like like sinister forward, but it definitely exactly. still has the sexual edge to it. It has the tension. It's not mm -hmm. like sexy. It is tension. Yeah, I think is a better word. There yeah. is there is a tension that is sexual yeah. there, um, without being like hot. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. I don't was... know why people would have assumed that they would have been sexier than they were. Uh, because they were expecting something completely different because this book was pitched incorrectly. Yeah, I was about to, to say, how is this how is this book like build usually? Because if it's build as a um, ghost romance, then I've got your answer. Yes. Because Yeah, well, Southern Gothic is, okay. ghost romance. It's not that. Queer ghost romance it's really not. is how it is yeah. pitched. It's not, yeah. Um I don't yeah, I don't think that is correct. Me and my best straight friend, Eddie who we are straight together. Well, wait, what do you mean together? Nina and I were talking about this and we really did enjoy it because um, Eddie is probably my least favorite character in he the book. He sounds like he followed sucked. Followed by Andrew. Yeah, e Eddie doesn't seem like a fun guy. And it kind of comes out and more least, toward the end of the book. It doesn't sound like yeah, he was the, a good dude to be around. Because we we hear stories throughout, and I promise I have a I have a point yeah. to this, so okay. bear with me. But we hear stories throughout the book about um, 
Oh yeah, Eddie always had a wicked temper. I guess everyone here probably would have learned that kind of comments from Andrew. Yeah. And we just, every time we hear about him, we find out that he's kind of possessive and he's kind of an asshole. Yeah. And he's really like controlling. But then as much as he would get in fights for people insinuating that he might have been gay back before he came to school here, once he moved, it seems like he was pretty open about the fact yeah. that he and Andrew were like a thing. Yeah. Because when Andrew comes down, despite the fact that Eddie had roundly denounced that he was gay before, which probably contributed to Andrew's closeting himself. It did. Oh, no, 100%. 100%. Because he was like, well, Eddie said he's not gay and that means I'm not gay either. But then he gets to school and everyone's like, you and Eddie were boyfriends. Because it also seems like this is like what is actually tragic. And I found Eddie toxic and annoying in kind of a fun way um, for what we found out about okay. him. I, I, I really, I really liked his characterization, honestly. He was a terrible person, but I thought he was at least a terrible person with initiative who was doing That's true. things. Yeah. Um, a lot of things. And what I, what I find really sad is it feels like when Andrew came down, Eddie was going to come clean. Yeah. And, yeah, that's why he and come clean about everything. Yeah, and that's why there's including that including his like, relationship with Andrew. There's the whole thing about how he like delayed Andrew coming down for months and months, and that's mm -hmm. part of the reason it, that Andrew feels so, so abandoned sad. by his death and stuff because that was the only time that they were ever really away from each other. And yeah. it feels like yeah, it feels like Eddie had come to terms with a lot of things and was go and wanted desperately to help Andrew come to terms with those things as yeah. well, so that the two of them could truly not only be together, but be safe together because he was spending all this time looking into the ghost stuff. Um, so as much as I I think Eddie was completely toxic and it's a super codependent relationship, um, I can see, I don't see the, romantic, the romanticness of the toxic relationship in Andrew because Andrew is pathetic and helpless and lonely because Eddie is dead. But I, when I look at the relationship through Eddie's eyes and see kind of what it looks like he was working towards, I can see how that's kind of romantic. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can see how that relationship would have um, been interesting. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, um, there's, a, there's a point at the end of the book where he's getting rid of the Eddie spirit into the ring to throw yeah. away, where he talks about how he doesn't want his memories of Eddie to be poisoned by what he became. Yeah. And I think personally, that's really funny because the memories of Eddie are what poisoned me from thinking Eddie was ever a decent guy at all. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, damn, Eddie kind of sucks ass. And now like hearing what Nina has to oh, say, yeah. I'm like, okay, I kind of yeah, agree absolutely. with that. But also he's at the bottom of my character list for a reason. Like I just didn't. Well, yeah. The like reason him. is that he's dead for the entire run of the book, <laughs> man. There's like the coffee shop employee ranks above Eddie for me. Um, one, or... I have romanticized Eddie. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've successfully romanticized Eddie by, um, a, a, a Tumblr tags, a Tumblr, a Tumblr post that was unrelated to summer suns that, but that made me think of summer suns, which was, I love characters that haunt the narrative, characters that are never explicitly in the story, but their presence is felt throughout. Ooh. And it wasn't tagged Tree as Eddie. Beard from Lord of the He's Rings. He's in the story. Um, <laughs> oh, damn. And I know that <laughs> Nell in Haunting of Hill House is in the story, but she also haunts the narrative um, throughout because of the way that the story is paced and built. Yeah. She is that presence as well. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. And once I like read that and I was like, damn, 
I guess I do kind of like Eddie as a character, honestly. Um, I and I like the as much as we get a lot of Eddie had a temper, Eddie was a dick, Eddie was possessive. He also did some genuinely nice things for yeah. people, like helping Riley out. Um, it seems like his relationship with Sam was very like they they were peers and they considered each other peers. Um, which I think contributes to Sam and Andrew's in- eventual relationship is that um, as Sam rejects this concept and he's correct to, uh, but initially, especially Sam is definitely a replacement for Eddie in the way that he drags Andrew around and t- forces Andrew to take care oh, of yeah. himself and nags him into take into doing things. Um, so yeah, I, I think that I think, I think I've romanticized Eddie into being higher up on the character list for me than he would be for a lot of people. Uh, I have a an interesting thing that uh, I'd like to bring okay. up. So it's um as as I've uh, drifted more and more toward my uh, personal like philosophical and political leanings, uh, we'll say there are people that I just don't want to talk to anymore. Right? You know, like there's just kind of people I don't want to sure. deal with. Mm-hmm. On that note, Sam's party where yeah. Andrew does coke and then beats the shit out of some yeah. people and gets the shit beat out yeah. of him. Um, there's just like a few homophobic dudes who are also, I don't know if they're actually being like transphobic or if they're just being homophobic. Tough to tell. But regardless, um, I just find it interesting that these people were invited to Sam's party. Like, cause obviously they were like business acquaintances. Yeah. But also Big I business. personally, personally, <laughs> I found it funny that Sam, a not uh, a uh, a gay or bi man yeah. with a bi trans cousin, invited homophobic people to his his big uh, drag race bonfire. Well, when you make half your living that by selling cocaine funny. in Tennessee, this is this is what I, I would said imagine. Too. It's like you're gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's funny that they got invited to the party. Yeah, it uh, not that he like, knows them, just that, that they were you invited. Just wouldn't invite. But he does say that one thing. of those guys this, owed him money, though. He did this say that. is kind of what I said when Noah and I had this conversation earlier. To me, I think Sam kind of expected those dudes to have the common fucking sense not to be that way at this party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of expected them to hold it together um, for a little while longer, which is why he's like... Which I believe is kind of implied in the narrative as well. Right, exactly. He's just like, eh, no real great loss. They owed me money, but I mean, you know, it is He does say is. good riddance, yeah. I believe. He does yeah. say good riddance. So I, yeah, I under, like, given who Sam is, there's a lot of, there's, there's, um, I think something that's coming into play a lot that I've said a lot and I'm going to reiterate is there's a lot of stuff that happens in this narrative that is quote unquote problematic or harmful or offensive, yeah. but is that way because these characters are flawed. Right. And I don't think that the story at any point, especially with how annoying Andrew is and like, you know, the drugs and stuff, these characters are fucked up. And like that is a a specific kind of story that like not ever. There is kind of this pushback in the queer community against having our stories be sanitized and have to every queer character has to be perfect and not problematic. And they have to be the best version of that. Um archetype that they are playing they aren't allowed to have flaws so to have stories like um like this one and like others that are getting popular i'm thinking of our flag means death where many of the characters are murderers but they are also queer like there are flawed it's important to have characters that are explicitly flawed um 
and toxic Mm -hmm. um because we're allowed to have fun flawed toxic characters as well we're allowed to have our fucking bella and edwards and shit you know um and so as much as again the story isn't for me i i I like parts of what it's like the the book kind of acknowledges that stuff as well right by having west Mm -hmm. be gay and it's just like not a thing yeah he's not present enough in the narrative for it to be a thing but he's very clearly like i wish he fine you know like yeah. he's he's not doing any of the stuff that any of the people that andrew hangs out with are doing he openly has some like disdain toward them because they do that so it's yeah. it's kind of like presenting you the this like i don't know I, I was about to say duality it's not a duality it's like you know there's a spectrum of human experience and being mm-hmm. gay doesn't alter your spectrum of human experience necessarily you can still be whatever kind of, of person you are you're just a person still Right. And I think we get an overrepresentation. We don't have a lot of representation. I was talking to um to Becca about this recently, mm-hmm. how um we were we were talking about trans rights, uh the trans rights readathon and oh, right. how hard it was for her to find a trans femme um book to Apparently read they're tough because to find. the market yeah. the market is really small um for queer stories just in general there are not a uh, there are a lot more and especially if you are running in these circles it may seem like there's a lot um there aren't a lot there's you're just in the it, it's it's a false uh like sample but within that it seems like the market is oversaturated with um trans mask stories and honestly that's because a lot of a lot of us are the ones like there's just a lot of trans mask writers um especially in the romance genre um that's just how it is i and we're more comfortable writing our own stories obviously Mm -hmm. um but like that's the same thing with the types of queer stories you find um you can often find a lot of those kind of um more sanitized less problematic like stories that are being told because people want to like read those kinds of stories because there's a lot of hurt and a lot of of stuff in the world that you don't want to read about but I think it is important to have a representation of this kind of um, relationship where the masculinity is still very charged. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're not they're not like um, meeting at a gay club or anything where they're both very feminine or anything like that. These are two incredibly masculine dudes um, who enjoy very stereotypically masculine things. And while this contributes to internalized homophobia, it doesn't keep them from ending up together and being happy together. Yeah. And I think that's a really, like, good story to tell, um, even though it does lend to there being a lot of misogyny, which sucks. Yeah. Emma, did you have any any other notes? I just really hate Andrew. Yeah, yeah, you're in that part of the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, I, uh, I didn't get much past that. He it's does around, get a little better. I think it's around, like, chapter There's... 22 we hit, and I'm like, oh, this works for me. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, that yeah, is, that's pretty far in. Is, I was gonna say yeah, that is yeah. that is way too far in. Yeah, you gotta stay committed to this book for, for a little while before it starts to. Yeah, and I, I think, think that's unreasonable like, to expect of a basic like reader. Yeah, honestly, yeah. you gotta have some redeeming quality about your main character, like for like most make of him the good book. At rolling blunts. Like, which he could me, at least be. Give good me at that. something <laughs> to root for, but mm-hmm. I think there's an interesting conversation as well you can have about privilege in regards oh, yeah. to this oh, it, book. It, actually, yeah. it is had in the it's book in too. You'll get that one. Um, yeah, of just he inherited all this money. He's like, I don't care yeah. about the money, but I'm still going to use yeah. it. 
um, and benefit greatly from yeah, it. That's, that's yeah, that's that's part of the um, mid-book turnaround is Riley kind of smacks him down for that as well. And so does Sam. And so does Sam. Yeah. yeah. And so does Wes. Both and... of our best characters are just like, oh, yeah, and so does Wes. Does All of our bit. best characters are just like, hey, dude, you have you, money. You're really well off here, and actually. You, you've like... not, like, you haven't struggled. And then we get, a, we get a trademark Andrew internal monologue of, oh, you know, I didn't think that it was like that. But then I thought back to my childhood. And it is. And... After Eddie's parents died, we moved to a nice house that was three times as big as our old house in Columbus. And I never worked a full a job except for a part-time job because yeah. I was bored. And it's like it does get brought up. See, I, I got to that part. Oh, okay. But mm. and I mean, this is something I read online too. But mm -hmm. having somebody recognize I'm privileged, mm -hmm. but then actually taking the steps to learn about it and and actually do something about it like actually like, do something about it is a bit yeah. different and yeah, from what yeah, i yeah. understand mm -hmm. like that doesn't really happen i have mm -hmm. two things to say about that um firstly mm -hmm. uh i agree and i think this book does that again with the race issue mm -hmm. where it tries to make that something that is present in the story but then doesn't actually address it at any point yeah. um which is frustrating secondly though um, so for the, for the race thing, that is really frustrating. Secondly, for the privilege thing, I don't know how they could have done that in this story without making it seem really forced and preachy it would, yeah. personally. Um, I think that having him address it, I think Andrew ends this story with a long ways to go in a lot of areas, yeah. um, accepting himself, building a relationship. That's kind of like what Sam says about like, let's start over. Mm -hmm. I think that. Andrew has gone through a lot of stuff and by the and by that point he has the groundwork to decide to make those changes and I think we have reasonable grounds to assume that he might possibly make those changes after yeah. the book is well, over. Yeah. Well, I mean, one um, of his last spoken lines of dialogue is him saying to Sam, "I can do better." And Sam being like, mm -hmm. "Yeah. Okay, prove it." Yeah, not giving no, him an easy I, so out that, like okay that's enough like or anything like that he's just like well prove it to no. me he's like yeah so i i genuinely think that um for this narrative i think that it's a good start and possibly the best they could do within this specific story when it comes to that storyline yeah. i think that storyline is also important to the curse important to riley and eddie's relationship being strong important to building andrew as a character and why he's so self-centered and codependent so i understand why that privilege is there and i appreciate it that it was addressed at all and i think that that is the most that can be done in this specific narrative though i do acknowledge that criticism and understand why people would find that frustrating yeah. mm -hmm. The race thing, on the other hand, um, I think needed to be more addressed than it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It did kind of feel like a group of white people going, ooh, plantations. And ooh, the black professor is being blackmailed by the white one. Yeah. And then we just don't really say anything else about it yeah. outside of the fact that it's a reality that does happen, but West doesn't get a conclusion really. He does, um, actually. He sues the school. He gets a hint oh, of did he? one. Oh, yeah. shit. He's, there's a, a brief mention in the one of the last chapters about him suing the school over uh the way okay. Troth yeah, treated since, um, him. I wish Troth he would have I wish he would have gotten um a 
much first of all i wish we would have gotten a chance to have some closure with yeah. him uh like in person well if these guys hadn't pushed him away then maybe we would have that is yeah, true. they did kind of ruin yeah. that and i i wish he had gotten to play more of a hand in trust downfall that would have been cool i wish he had gotten more agency in that plot yeah. line mm-hmm. it feels like that at um, least he got his like his at least he gets to back. Sue's, yeah. yeah yeah but again it all kind of I wish I wish he'd been more of a character and I think there was the opportunity. I think there specifically was. Well, I don't think there was the opportunity to address the privilege thing. I think there specifically was the opportunity to have um West be more of um an agent in the ending and they kind of pushed that aside in favor of the romance in a lot of yeah. ways and I don't like hate that. I just kind of um if you're going to bring those issues up so pointedly I wish that it had been addressed a little better. But Especially it's not like the worst with thing. regards to the to the way that like a lot of the haunting talk is so steeped in southern in history, racism in the, and the southern presence, stuff. the prevalence, the depth of the history of the places in that part of the country. Like there's there's like a kind of a brief couple of passages that kind of had me thinking that the book was almost saying that like the American South is one of the harder places to live when you're psychic because there's too many angry ghosts there. You know, there's mm-hmm. like talk of um, like the, the dirt being soaked in cruelty and shit like that. And it feels like yeah. it's it's alluding to it enough that it should be addressed a little more directly. So there is a passage um, in the book that someone in a review said was the passage where they realized that this book was not going to address the race thing. And I'm trying to find that passage really quick. Um, While Nina finds the passage uh, around page 254, I was really worried uh, because they made some comments about um, the Fultons had a plantation house. Oh yeah. And Andrew reacts very poorly to that. And I was really concerned that that was when we were suddenly going to talk about a heavy like slavery narrative. That would have been bad. Is far too late in the book to introduce it. It would have been way too. Yeah, that would have been. We had enough things going on, and I am glad that in that specific way that it didn't go in that direction. But it would have been nice if it had been addressed better earlier on in the book and continued to be addressed because there there are a few moments when you do start to think, oh shoot. We're kind of going to we're going to veer off the main story when we only finally started on the main story. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about this because it's a page 255 is where we start to get the uh, of the of the paperback edition. I I should also clarify. I'm dropping page numbers for paperback Southern Suns. Um, Page 255 talks about the crossroads deal Mm. made by Eddie's great, 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 great grandpa. And. It's really, it's really cool. And it brings us into the Southern Gothic it's light. Neat. It's, it's it. cool stuff. Okay. <clears throat> James Fulton settled the land that would become the state, the estate in 1806 without incident or conflict. That is the line that <laughs> they, <laughs> they pointed to. Uh, right. They're like, right. oh, I you're just yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, which absolutely agree with that one. When I read that line, I was like, oh, we're just hand waving this. Yeah. Okay. Unlike Troth's estate, mm-hmm. which uh, also at some point, Andrew does say, oh, of course, they're old Southern family. How else would they have made their money? Yeah. Once mm-hmm. again, um, if we're not going to be addressing estate, this. Implied yeah. otherwise. Yeah. And and again, this is so this is a paradox that a lot of writers, um, specifically writers who want to write stories in these settings have struggled with, where it's like, is it worse to not address it or to hand wave it? Um, 
or to just not have this story set where we want it to have it set. But if internalized homophobia growing up in the South as, as it is for Mandelo is a very close personal issue that you want to address sure. and you want to have it be Southern Gothic and ghosts and generational curses, one could call it a cop out to not include or address this stuff yeah. at all. Yeah. So to have it be kind of this goofy Scooby-Doo, the evil person uh, unethically used their land, but the good person had no incident or conflict is like, honestly, God, dude, like we've really, we, uh, not to sound like, ah, we can't tell any stories these days with these wokes on our tails or whatever, (laughs) but like, it is really hard to find that balance of actually addressing issues and realizing that you cannot address every single issue in every story um so it's a bit oh well well, then why include it because if you're not including it you're ignoring it which Mm -hmm. isn't better so it is it is kind of a catch-22 that i will i will give mandelo a little bit yeah it's mandelo talked about enough that that's in in my opinion mandelo (laughs) was tackling enough other topics that you would begin to muddy the waters trying to bring in more topics on top at the same time though which was lightly touched on with west so it would be nice if it had been yeah hit a it, it kind of feels like the done. fulton family history mm-hmm. could have painted them in a less sympathetic light and it wouldn't have harmed the story no because we already are like oh he's got some bad yeah it feels there. like it could we have already just come don't out have and been like yeah these were bad people family. that he descended from like y- you can just mm-hmm. it doesn't make eddie a bad yeah person. it doesn't affect him it, it means that he had some family story. that weren't it that makes great. the curse scarier if anything so like that mm-hmm. would kind of be a yeah. good thing but yeah there's again there's a lot of stuff um where um holding this book and its misogyny and its um addressing of the curse and the history of the land and everything um i will say holding this up next to say pet cemetery um or other stephen king books this is worlds better (laughs) i did not like this book but like at least mandela is fucking trying right right (laughs) you know like at least suck on that one stephen king not even trying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, literally. No, but at least he's not complacent in his right. identity to think that he gets to not even mention these things or worse, to mysticize them yeah. and use them as the reason that things I happen. I was literally just about to say it's really nice to see an Americana horror that doesn't rely on Native American. Yeah, horror. yeah. Yeah. Like, no. obviously, a lot of Appalachia does pull from a lot of those, like, Sure, but it's, stories. like, commingled at this but, point. Yeah, they are They're at this point. It's its own thing by now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, versus the classic Stephen Indian burial ground king play. Uh, of don't you mean yeah, alien burial ground king? Hey, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, alien burial ground as well. Alternating between um, the two, the Native Indian miracle ground. I would like to to very quickly do something that I call Nina's notes. Okay, where I'm just going to read off. I only have a few. Um, They're not as exciting as Noah's, I don't think. Um, But I did take some notes. Um, I noted page 87. Andrew takes his literal first step towards actually investigating Eddie's relationships the way he said he was going to. (laughs) Page 87. For those of you wondering about the pacing in this book. Um, (laughs) I've got my tousled hair count. 
Uh, <laughs> Meanwhile, me listening three. to Sun the whole time. Wow, this is really moving. <laughs> uh, pages, page four and page 142 um, are things that I'm just going to briefly address here because I actually don't want to get into it. But if you have like any history of like anything to do with self-harm, do not read this book i would say just in general don't read this book but if you want to skip page four and page 142 uh and maybe a little further than 142 um that's something i left in my notes as well uh <laughs> this is my favorite note saying horror movie shit does not make your story scarier lee um <laughs> it did feel like something there, that sam would have just said though to be fair i agree that whole conversation was a lot of them being like, whoa, this is so scary. And me being like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> Thanks for telling me the audience that I'm supposed to find this scary. Personally, I'm reading this as a very like tech, like forward info dump that we could have sprinkled throughout earlier passages, but we didn't because Andrew wouldn't read Eddie's notes. Well, no, of course um, not. He's the saddest man on earth. <laughs> um, I had read a couple reviews by the time that I got to the end of the book. And one of my notes is, damn, when they said her monologue was cartoonish, they weren't joking. Uh, and then I do have another note that just reads, feet, dot, dot, dot. They're everywhere <laughs> in this fucking book. <laughs> yeah, there are two um, excessive descriptions I remember. Only two. And I'm sure there were more because I missed a lot of very important character descriptions that I uh, should not have missed. <laughs> Nina and I had a whole conversation about Nina saying, who reads every single, single word of a book? And I'm Me. like, I do. That's why it's and I, no, you I don't. a month to read this fucking book. <laughs> I, again. I read um, some of them I don't twice. think, here, here's a big thing uh, for me personally as a writer, mind you. I personally don't expect people to read every, every single word when I'm writing. I don't read every, every single word. I don't think there's any right way or wrong way to read a book, honestly, or to watch a movie. I, I would prefer that my mom not ask me questions that are about to be fulfilled by the narrative on TV. But like, other than that, I don't think there's any wrong way to consume a story as long as you are kind of like getting the, the over, uh, you yourself are getting something out of it and willing to admit when you've missed something. I think it's cool to just consume media how you do um listen to the lyrics don't listen to the lyrics get more out of the melody the lyrics whichever you prefer um you know some people just don't listen to lyrics at all i find that weird anyway sidetrack my point is um i write my books and i know that i've read every word and if someone else is going to read every word then I've written it such that it will not be distracting that you decided to do that. But I also kind of write assuming that someone like me is going to read it. Um, and that's why I do reiterate a lot of things is because I kind of expect myself to read it at some point and skip over a lot of stuff. I'll read my book and be like, oh, shit, I forgot I wrote that, even though I've read this book like a billion times. Um, so like... <laughs> Uh, that's, that's all just to say, like, uh, personally, I'm going to give myself a lot of shit in this episode and I have given myself a lot of shit for missing things and not reading things. And I really should have paid more attention given that this was for a podcast. But when I read for myself, um, I do not fucking care that much. Um, because I'm reading for myself. Um, I don't view reading the same way I view watching movies. When I read, I am do, it is between me and the author 
and I will probably never talk to anyone about what I read ever again. It is an experience between me and that one person. Um, so it's weird to be doing it for our podcast and realize that the way that I read a book is not really conducive to discussing it sometimes. Fair enough, I suppose. Anyway, that was really That's incredibly unrelatable to me because anytime that I'm interfacing with any piece of art ever, my approach is to attempt to soak in it and absorb all of its smallest details, which is why I always watch movies multiple times for the podcast when I have time to do it, which is why I, I read incredibly slowly because I just I, I feel the need to make sure that I'm getting everything. But see, dude, this is exactly yeah. it, because I think that's totally really cool and valid that you do that. Um, I just can't. Uh, and I know that there are some people that just can't understand lyrics when they're listening to songs. Oh, and so those. they just listen to the vibes. <laughs> Right. But you will, you'd probably look up. Lyrics, I do. Yeah. Right? When like, I like songs, yeah, I look the you're one of the, up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I listen exactly. to them on repeat so, until I know them backwards and forwards and blah, blah, blah. When That's Rob Zombie said rama lama do, I felt that. With music yeah. and with movies, I'm way more open to that. And I will reread books if I like them. Um, but it, and I'll give myself a little slack because I wouldn't have finished this book at all if I were reading it for fun. <laughs> But well, yeah, the the first half of the book certainly is enough to scare you off if you're reading for fun. Yeah. I am glad that I finished it kind of. I'm not mad. I no, I love yeah. it. I had enough fun with it. I, I came away having gleaned some things. And again, I really liked how it handled Riley mm -hmm. um, and addressing the like the queerness in this book is really, really well done. Mm -hmm. And I really, really loved it. Um, I did it, hate the first half. But the last half I enjoyed. It was tough, but mm -hmm. I like it I, retrospectively. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's nothing I hated. I just didn't like it as much as I wanted to. Yeah, yeah that's Once is we got into thing. the Southern Gothic element of it, where it got more Gothic. Right, yeah. I was in. You know, I was fully sold. Yeah. And then the book ended, unfortunately, quickly. And, uh, yeah. you know, it is what it is. I really think that this, with a little bit of tightening, is a great short story, or with a little bit of pacing, is a great novel. The bones are all here. It's just not something that clicked for me at first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If Andrew was a little more introspective, or not more introspective, no, 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 God. No, no, no. <laughs> if he was, if he was, you need even more more self-aware and acted on that self-awareness. Acted on the self-awareness is where yeah, we need to rather work than just, he isn't in, just he's intensely self-aware. Yeah, but he's just channeling it all into self-absorption rather than exactly anything more productive than, than that. If he had more empathy, that would be nice. Just a sliver, just a little, just, just a little empathy is a treat. <laughs> um, yeah. I think I've said just about all I've got to say. Anyone else? Yeah, me too. No, I'm I'm set. All right. I'm out. Thanks cool. for listening. Well, yeah. Lee, once again, Don't. we hope you didn't, but if you did. It's not a full negative takeaway. It's like you're above 50% right now. I'm maintaining that I give it an 8 out of 10. I, I like it. I like it I mean, I mean, for like full group well, consensus. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm like, not going to restate my rating because hopefully by now you've forgotten what it uh, is. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, of course, next week, we're not going to be reviewing another horror no. novel because next week it's back to March of the it's Zombies. It's March of the Zombies in, in April, April edition. April of no, the no, zombies. No, no, it's March April of the, of the Zombies in April. <laughs> <laughs> March of the Zombies with that little explosion sticker that says yeah. in April. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like a clearance tag. You know, it's not as good as March, March of the Zombies, but it's still it's still March of the right, Zombies. Yeah. So, you know. And it's going to be, ironically, uh, since it's since it's not in March, covering 28 days later, 
I think is just kind of funny. <laughs> that is, oh, that is, funny. That is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for that. Until then, where can we find everyone? You can find I'm me. Emma. As- you can. <laughs> You can find me on Twitch and Twitter at Emma Panada. I'm also writing a TTRPG called All the Witches. You can find information about that at All the Witches underscore on Twitter. Our Kickstarter campaign is currently live. Um, at this moment, we have raised $37,329. That's so cool. Um, from our twelve thousand dollar goal. Nice. So we're doing pretty well. And if you want to support us, that'd be real cool. <laughs> Link is in the description. If you want to follow me, you can follow me as Bubba Dabad, B-U-B-B-A-D-A-B-A-D, Twitch, Twitter, and Insta for uh, the amount that I ever use Twitch. And if you like haikus, follow me on Instagram because that's all I post there. It's really oh, cute. Oh, damn. Maybe I'll start using Instagram again just so I can read your haikus. Don't do that. <laughs> okay. Don't do that. I, I won't. He's self-conscious. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> I may have pitched it that way, but I didn't mean it. I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to tell him that I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I won't do that. (laughs) What I I will do is uh, attempt to start actually posting on my Twitter at Bubba Wubba Dab or my Tumblr at What Is It You Pray For. Uh, And I'm going to say it here. I'm going to make a Letterboxd account because I, I should do that. If I don't have one by the next episode, I will eat my hat. You have a hat? Oh, you have that one with the cool patch on it, the like beanie. I have a couple of those, actually. I've got extras in case I have to eat one. I planned ahead. (laughs) I got one on my desk in front of me right now. It's covering this microphone as a pop filter. What about you, Nina? (laughs) Environmental storytelling. Um, Yeah, I'm Nina. You can find me at Nina Wolverina. Um, I do art. I wrote a book. I talk big game on books for someone who is myself an amateur. So I'm not going to say you should read my book after listening to this episode. Um, Unless you're Lee Mandelo, you in which case, if you've gotten this far, Lee, read Don't Nina's read book. my book. <laughs> don't read my book, Lee. I don't think we're compatible. I can't, I can't wait for like three years down the line when we've done two more horror novels and then we invite all of the authors of those novels to come on and then review <laughs> Nina's book. Yeah, do it. Do it. Oh my god, that'd be so funny. Anyway. Hi Daryl. Hi Daryl. Uh anyway. Hey, Darryl, if yeah, you're still I, here, you're uh, the only man I respect. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for listening. Um love y'all. Talk to you next time. Ramalamaloo. Bye. Goodbye. Ooh.